letter has a bunch of attachments behind it. Did you add those or did, does his letter have attachments? His letter has a report attached. Okay. And so is he going to testify today? Um, not today. Mr. Breadberg is our first um, witness and we expect Mr. Breadberg's testimony to go quite long. All right. So you are not going to help me achieve my goal of wrapping up today is what you're letting me know now that you intend to have Mr. Ainsworth testify tomorrow. Yes. I'm not available until 1 p.m. tomorrow, so we won't be starting until 1 p.m. tomorrow. And um, that means we have to go until we're done tomorrow. Uh, I guess I can ask Mr. Ainsworth clarifying questions about the documents attached to his uh, letter. Will any other witnesses be testifying to the documents that are attached to his letter? No. The MTC materials and testing one-page report that's attached is dated February 2023. Did he attach that or is that a separate document that you're offering? I believe he attached that. The copy of it that I have is not legible, just so you know. The PDF is pixelated and I can't make out the details. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Let me turn to the city. Ms. Kroll, your order asks to address the scope of the hearing by restricting testimony only to the wetland rather than the wetland and the stream. Correct. My question for you about that is, in our first pre-hearing conference, we set a schedule for motions in limine, and they were due by September 26th. I did not receive this motion until the day business day before the hearing. Right. And so we received their witnesses and their lists of what they were going to discuss in a new report from Mr. Bredberg, and they rose the stream. They decided that they were going to appeal the stream, which was not in their letter. Um, so we prepared a motion to strike um, to hear in limine, and it was based on what they submitted, um, which was contrary to their letter of appeal. All right, Ms. Robson, do you want to respond? Yes. Um, in the matter of the appeal of my husband and myself, it says... Um, right in the subject line that we are appealing the wetland and stream determination by the city of Kirkland. So if, and I also had an attorney draw this for us um, who uh, handled our first pre-hearing conference for us and then sort of disappeared. Um, and so I, I did not author this, but um, in my mind, based on the subject of the whole document, it's implied there's also a stream there. The question isn't whether there's a stream there. The question is whether you challenge the stream in, in the appeal. Yes, we're challenging both the wetland and the stream determination in total that the city issued on our property. As it shows right in the very beginning of our notice of appeal. It is in the subject line. That's the name of the decision document that was appealed. Yes. Correct. It's not, there's nothing substantive in the appeal letter that mentions or that challenges the existence of the stream. Well, as I said, I didn't author this. And when I read it, 
in my mind just because when I'm writing a letter and I write a subject and what it's regarding, it's in total of what I'm referencing. Let me ask Ms. Kroll another question um, regarding the motion to strike. You made a, a reference to an amended witness list. I only have one witness list. I was provided on the morning of October 25, which I got from Mr. Cole via email, which the uh, Robsons had submitted on the 24th as was required. So on that exhibit list that I received on the morning of the 25th, both Mr. Ainsworth and Mr. Kelly were disclosed as witnesses. And so I did not understand. I don't have an amended witness list. Right. Um, I have an amended witness list. It says um, Eric Ainsworth, professional engineer, addressing his letter. And we did not receive a letter till Friday before the hearing. So we didn't know if he was going to be dropped. We didn't know what was going on. And then we receive a letter on Friday morning um, that we moved to strike. Um, David Kelly um, is also listed, says, addressing his report. And we have no report from David Kelly. They claim that at um, Exhibit 305, Appellant's Exhibit, page 305, that this is his report. And would you like would you like me to pull it up or can no, you thank you? I have uh I, I'm I went through the documents and made a note. So I have David Kelly letter dated October 22nd, 2023 at eight stamp 305. Okay. <clears throat> so there's no report there. What he says is he he um looked at some documents. And he went to the property, and then he says, he concludes with the following sentence, I will be prepared to provide testimony regarding my opinions on the resource issues and status of wetlands and other resources of the project site as necessary. That is not a report. We have no idea what he's going to say. They didn't submit anything supplemental. This is it. They claim that's a report, but we don't know what he's going to say. He was disclosed as a witness on the witness list. And his letter was, a letter was provided in the disclosed exhibits. Yes, but no report was provided. It's true. Opening the document, just a moment, please. It's difficult to find the documents. So I, I I don't I don't need you to bring it up, Ms. Kroll. Thank you. Okay. Um, I've already reviewed it. I. I don't, I don't feel like granting this motion to strike uh, either the stream issue or these witnesses because the appellants are pro se. They 
attempted to comply with the pre-hearing disclosure order and have brought their evidence forward today. And I, I think I'm going to hear their testimony on these issues. Apparently I'm going to hear it all day today and all day tomorrow. Okay, thank you, Your Honor. Okay. I think now is time for me to ask the parties are there other pre-hearing procedural issues, starting with the city since you're going first. Anything else before we go to evidence? Um, I intend to do a brief opening statement and then call Ms. Dawn Nelson, um, planning manager, to do an overview of the case. Um, then we'll follow up with testimony from um, Kelly Jones and Adam Weinstein. Excellent. Thank you. And no other pre-hearing procedural business needs to be addressed. I do not have any. Okay. Let me just check over here. Anything else procedurally we need to address? I don't believe so. Right. Thank you. Then let's go ahead and begin with the city's case. So good morning, uh, Madam Hearing Examiner and um, appellants, everyone for the appellants. Um, my name is Stephanie Kroll. I'm the Senior Assistant City Attorney. And the issue here today before the hearing examiner is not whether a wetland exists. The issue is whether the existing wetland is regulated by the city's code. If the wetland is regulated, then it must remain. If the wetland is not regulated, then there is a possibility that it does not have to remain and that may be dependent on other jurisdictions that are not at issue here today. Um, a little background here. The wetland is, a wetland is required to have three elements. Hydrology, which means a certain amount of, uh, and level and duration of saturation. It, it varies. Um, hydric soils and hydrophytic plants, such as canary grass or cattails. Um, a wet, uh, exceptions to wetlands. Um, the city's definition of a wetland is the same as the state's definition of a wetland that was adopted in the Growth Management Act by the legislature in 1990. And the city's definition of a regulated wetland um, has one exception that is being raised by appellants today. There are several exceptions, but only one is being raised today. A wetland is not regulated if it came into existence after July 1, 1990, as a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway. So what does as a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway mean? For instance, WashDOT cannot put in a new leg of I-405 or build two new lanes to I-405. And as a result of their excavation and construction, create a pond on adjacent private property and then claim that that pond is a wetland. If uh, WashDOT did this in 1995, for instance, and the wetland came into existence in 2000, the property owners could say today in 2023, this wetland is not regulated, even though it's been here 23 years. Uh, it, you, you can't uh, create 
wetlands when you construct a road. Cities can't do it and um, the state can't do it. So testimony in the record that you're going to be hearing today and may have read, um, if, you've, if you've read any of the city's proceedings uh, and documentation, you'll know what I'm talking about. But we're going to show that there has a been a natural water course flowing from east to west across the property since at least 1968. There's um, documents in the record that are going to show this, um, that this property was the uh, natural receiver of water when the property on the east was developed in 1974 as a residential development, and that this potentially increased the flow of surface water toward the property. It also appears that um, residential development to the south of this property might be increasing the flow of water to the property. There's also on-site hydrology. Um, there's going to be testimony and documents in which we, you will see that there is a spring on the property in approximately this location. And in some, the property has always been wet, uh, is still wet, and that is based on natural conditions and increased surrounding residential development. Residential development includes um, private roads and streets that, that um, serve those residences. Uh, they may have been dedicated then to the city and their city streets, uh, but there is no indication that any uh, construction of a road created this wetland. It was always wet. Um, in July, we have July 1, 1990, which is a critical date here as it was the effective date of the Growth Management Act. At that time, local government was required to go out in their jurisdiction, find critical areas, designate critical areas, and protect critical areas. That's why we have this key date of July 1, 1990. Um, local government was not required to designate July, critical areas until July 1, 1990. This parcel was in the county at the time. It appears that the county did not do any designation on this property when it was in their hands, and it came to the city in 2011. Thus, we are going to assume that the wetland was created after July 1990. We don't have hard evidence otherwise. We do have evidence stemming from 1968 that it was a natural water course, that it was a floodplain, that it had springs, and all these things are still true today. Um, because it is uh, the result, not the result of a construction of a road, street, or highway, but possibly resulting from the natural on-site water and the increased flow from residential development, we ask that the city's determination as to the wetland and the stream be affirmed. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, the city will call planning manager, Don Nelson, to go through the city's evidence. I am going to um, allow her 
to present uh, her testimony, and then I may ask her some follow-up questions. Well, get her set up, and then I will have her sworn in. Good morning. My name is Don Nelson. I am the current planning manager in the City of Kirkland Planning and Building Department. May I please ask you to spell your name for the record? D-A-W-N, last name Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. Great. Let's just see if we have a technology issue. I could ask you please to raise your right hand to take the oath. Do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. Thank you very much and please go ahead. If you would grab the mic and speak right into it. Thank you. I think, it, is it turned off? I think he turned, no, nope, he turned it off. There we go. Thank you. Uh, my role today is to provide a summary of the uh, the city's staff report on the appeal. So I'll begin by uh, reiterating some of the information provided by Ms. Ms. Kroll. Um, really where we start the appeal is that all parties have agreed that a wetland exists on the property at 9531 Northeast 140th Street. But at issue today is whether it is a regulated wetland under the city's definition. The four issues that had been identified by the appellants in their appeal letter were that the city erred in determining that the wetland existed prior to July 1st, 1990, that the city erred in determining the wetland was intentionally created, that construction of a stormwater system associated with road construction created the wetland after July 1st, 1990, and finally, that they are entitled to an unbiased third-party review of uh, the BNA report that was prepared on their behalf. To provide a little uh, context for where we are today, this started back in 2019. Uh, Ms. Robson had applied for a pre-submittal meeting for potential development of the property. And as part of the materials submitted in July of 2019, uh, she included a wetland determination that had been prepared by Wetland Resources Incorporated in July of 2013 as well as an existing conditions map identifying a wetland that had been prepared by Soundview Consultants in September of 2018. Based on city code, anytime there is a wetland on a subject property or within 300 feet of a subject property, a critical area report consistent with city standards must be provided. Um, in August of 2020, the city and the Robsons entered into a two-party contract to have the city's wetland consultant, the watershed company, prepare the critical area report for the property. And that report concluded that there was a regulated wetland on the Robson's property. Uh, a little over two years later in October of 2022, the Robsons submitted a report prepared by BNA Incorporated that claimed that the wetland was 
present, but unintentionally created as the result of construction of a road, street, or highway. Uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Kroll already provided some of the regulatory context. Um, I'll just reiterate that under the GMA, local jurisdictions were required to identify, designate, and regulate wetlands. And that the city prior to GMA did not actually have any wetland inventory requirements or regulations, but we handled those items through SEPA with individual development projects. In 2011, the Robson's property was annexed into the city of Kirkland. Um, prior to that, it had been located in unincorporated King County or regulated in unincorporated King County. Both the city and the state define a wetland um, and the wetland definition says that a wetland does not include an artificial wetland that was intentionally created from a non-wetland site or a wetland created after July 1st, 1990 that was unintentionally created due to the construction of a road street or highway. Uh, because uh, the BNA report raised questions about that particular issue, whether the wetland was regulated or not, the city requested assistance from the Washington State Department of Ecology with three questions that were key to that, that particular issue. First, did DOE think there was sufficient evidence to determine that the wetland was in existence prior to July 1st, 1990? And if the answer to that was no, did they think that the wetland had been unintentionally created as the result of a construction of a road, street, or highway? And then if the answer to that question was no, did they think that the wetland had been intentionally created from a non-wetland site? Uh, DOE's response to all three questions was no. The city proceeded to issue a wetland determination on June 6th, 2023, uh, and determined that the wetland is regulated because there is no evidence that it was intentionally created and that the wetland did not come into existence due to the construction of a road, street, or highway. Uh, the, we did conclude that the wetland is the result of historical surface and groundwater flows that had predated development of the Robson's property, as well as the surrounding properties. And then the, uh, the appeal letter was submitted on June 20th, 2023. The first issue identified in the appeal letter was that the city erred in determining that a wetland existed before July 1, 1990. Um, if in the appeal letter, or excuse me, in the city's determination, we did actually did not conclude that the wetland existed prior to July 1st, 1990. Instead, we stated that there was no conclusive evidence that the wetland did not exist prior to July 1990. And then also identified multiple historical records showing water flowing across the appellant's property as early as 1968. At this point, I'm going to like jump out of the PowerPoint and go through the exhibits that I've pre-opened. So hopefully the technology here works. Okay. I see, I'm trying to see. Um, I can see. Looks like a slide here. Somewhere. 
Thanks, Brian. Uh, so exhibit nine in the record is a copy of the Morning Heights Street and Storm Drain Plan that was approved by King County in May of 1968. And what I've done with these exhibits is identified the location of the current Robson property boundaries relative to the record drawing. Uh, the record drawing, again, this was 1968, clearly showed a water course coming across the Robson property and continuing on to the east. The development that was happening was actually here, Morning Heights subdivision, uh, division number one. Um, and if I can zoom in, the word I've circled here, a little fuzzy because this is a very old, <laughs> very old document. Um, the word here is spring. And then there's a note here to the, to the left about a temporary 12 inch pipe from string, stream to catch basin. So it's showing a pipe that came, that took the water from the stream and took it out to the catch basin in the Northeast 140th Street right of way. Just to see spring. spring. <laughs> Sorry, yes, spring. To confirm the circled, the circled note, it says spring, spring. and it sells CB, which is catch, catch basin. basin. Okay. Correct. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Sorry about that. No worries. The next exhibit is exhibit 10, which is a copy of the Timberwood Road and Storm Drainage Plan that was approved by King County in June of 1974. Timberwood subdivision was a 53-unit residential subdivision that is located to the west of the Robson's property. Again, you can see uh, the beginnings of the outline of the Robson property on the right-hand side of the, scre of the screen. Um, tract B is identified. Um, it shows an existing natural drainage course exiting from tract B uh, onto the Robson property. Brian, can I move? Yeah. Perfect, okay, yeah. thank you. Exhibit 13, oh, I'm sorry. This is a exhibit 11, which is a copy of the recorded Timberwood uh, subdivision. Again, I've, I've circled the information here that shows an existing natural drainage course coming through Tract B and exiting out towards the Robson property along the common property boundary. Exhibit 12 is the short plat that divided the property that includes the current Robson property. There have been some subsequent lot line alterations, but this is the storm drainage design for that short plat. And it does show a drainage easement coming through the Southern part of the property in the vicinity of that water course that exited from the Timberwood property onto the, the Robson's property. There's a note um, here, note three, it says the 25-year floodplain lies within the drainage easement. So there is a floodplain within this 25-foot wide drainage easement crossing the property. 
Exhibit 13 is a letter from King County Public Works to Blaine Peeler, who was a neighbor of um, to the south of the Robson's property. And it establishes in the first paragraph that there's a small stream flowing through tract B of this timberwood drainage um, or the timberwood plat. And that stream is subject to changes in water volumes because of rain, hillside springs, and other surface water conditions. Um, that's, that flow had increased surface, excuse me, the increased surface water flow had created of six to eight foot vertical sand bank um, in the location shown on the map, um, which we'll see in a little bit. As had been previously indicated, uh, this stream that's identified here in the letter is the same stream or water course that had been flowing across the Robson's property since at least 1968. Next, I'd like to identify some information on the photos that had been provided in the BNA report. This is from pages 36 through 80, excuse me, 36 through 38 of exhibit seven. Um, it purports to show the Robson property in 1983. And the report states that the photos show that there's no evidence of wet or saturated soil, no seeps, springs, or any surface water that is visible in early spring. However, several of the photos refute that information and show that there's standing water. For example, here we can see standing water. You can see the reflection of the trees here in this, this water. This is the upper photo on page 36. The upper photo on page 37 shows some puddled water here down these near these structures that were being installed as well, well as water flowing out of the pipe from, I, I believe, the south. Could you scroll back up to the previous one? Those must be the children that the Peeler letter was worried about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, no worries. And then finally, the, the lower... Um, photo on page 37 shows the corrugated pipe. This was the, the bypass pipe, I assume, that was used to, to carry the water across the property as the county was in the process of installing the uh, timberwood drainage repair. I'm going to jump back and forth, Sorry, so you're no going to have to... No worries. I Thanks, Brian. I am going to have to have you do that multiple times. So um, the photos that I, we just looked at in Exhibit 7, I would just like to point out are a snapshot in time, and they do show water on the Robson property in 1983. 
The second issue in the appeal letter was that the city erred in determining that the wetland was intentionally created. I just wanted to point out for the record, the city did not actually determine that the wetland was intentionally creative, created. Um, however, the city did concur with Department of Ecology that the wetland was not created as a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway. And thus, the city concluded that it's not exempt from regulation. The third issue of the appeal is... I got it. That the construction of a stormwater system associated with road construction created the wetland after July 1st, 1990. The stormwater system that's referred to in the appellant's letter is the timberwood drainage repair. Now you can <laughs> find answer. So exhibit 14 shows the timberwood drainage repair as-built plans uh, that are dated July 29th, 1984. It shows that, uh, I'm gonna scoot a little bit over this way. Um, it shows that storm drainage uh, stormwater that had been collected in the catch basins that were installed in the Northeast 94th, excuse me, the 94th Avenue Northeast right-of-way, as well as the Northeast 140th Street right-of-way, um, along with the, the water that was in the existing natural drainage course in Tract B of the Timberwood subdivision, um, were fully enclosed within a pipe. There is a note here on the south uh, identifying side drains that were installed to collect water coming off of the south bank of the ravine um, adjacent to the Robson property. This, uh, these drainage repair plans in conjunction with the letter that we saw in Exhibit 13 definitively de demonstrate that water was entering the property from a location other than the timberwood development. Um, and that water was coming from the south, uh, which was the pop in the vicinity of the Poplar Lane 2 development, which was groundwater coming off of those parcels. Exhibit 15, um, you have to turn your, your head around. Um, <laughs> this is actually the Poplar Lane 2 development, which is on the south side of the Robson property. We can see that the north arrow is pointing down. Um, so this is really intended to show that that development collected its stormwater from the road and put it into a pipe. And that water, that was not the water that was uh, reaching the Robson's property. Rather, it was groundwater and water from other structures, perhaps within that residential development. And then exhibit 16 is a compilation based on the city's GIS that really puts all of these pieces of historical information into context 
So we see the Robson property outlined in yellow here with uh, the wetland that has been delineated. Um, the Morning Heights Division One development to the east, which showed water flowing across the property in 1968. The Timberwood subdivision development to the west, which showed water flowing across the property in 1974. And then the Poplar Lane 2 development to the south, which actually shows that it's collecting its stormwater and sending it out into the public, into the, the storm drain system that was created in the Northeast 139th Street right-of-way. Still sharing? Okay. So in conclusion on this particular appeal issue, the appellant's arguments that they have put forth in the BNA report fail to address the fact that the stormwater systems are, are installed to handle water from the entirety of a residential development, um, the roads as well as the houses, patios, driveways, and any reduced vegetation. And that evidence has shown that water existed within and entered the ravine from a variety of sources prior to the installation of the timberwood drainage repair. Further on, on this appeal issue, uh, we did have a, a memo prepared for us by Kelly Jones, our surface water manager, and she will be testifying later. Um, I did wanna just provide a quick summary of her report, which is exhibit 17. Um, the report really provides a summary of the drainage system in and around the appellant's property. It supports the fact that the system uh, fully, that it's a fully piped system that was designed to exceed the current stormwater regulations and that maintenance records from both the county and the city show that the system is working as designed. Uh, the county did note in several documents that there was a need to stabilize the east end access road due to the area being wet and fed by springs. Finally, we, we conclude that the wetland was created from naturally occurring water sources. And then the fourth issue that was addressed in the appeal letter was that the appellants are entitled to an unbiased third-party review of the BNA report. However, the BNA report does not include a wetland delineation or classification and under city code does not require a third party review. Nevertheless, the city staff did thoroughly analyze the report prior to issuing its wetland and stream determination. And ultimately the staff did not agree with the conclusions of the report and did not find that the conclusions were supported by factual evidence. Therefore the city uh, staff recommends per the zoning code that the person filing the appeal must show that the planning official made an incorrect decision. The city's wetland determination was based on the critical areas report that was prepared by the watershed company, as well as numerous other reports, letters, and record drawings that comprise the record. The city concluded that the wetland is regulated because it was not unintentional, excuse me, it was not intentionally created from a non-wetland site, and it was not unintentionally created after July 1st, 1990 
as the result of a construction of a road, street, or highway. Oh, wait, there's more, sorry. <laughs> um, multiple documents that have been presented in the staff report as well as in uh, today's testimony show that um, multiple documents from 1968 through 1982 indicate natural water courses flowing across the southern portion of the Robson's property. Photographs of the site from 1983 show that there was water on the site at that point. And the appellants have not submitted sufficient evidence to contradict the evidence reviewed by the city in making its determination. Therefore, the staff recommends the hearing examiner affirm the city's wetland and stream determination. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much for your testimony. Ms. Kroll, you said you may have questions for Ms. Nelson. I have some questions for Ms. Nelson. Um, Ms. Nelson, can you pull up Exhibit 2E from the appellants, which it includes a report from um, their um, representative, Mr. Bredberg, dated October 23, 2023? Yes. Page 163 of that, of that um, exhibit. Yes. And can you make it, the exhibit a little smaller so we can see a little? That's good. That might be too small. Is that too small, madam? Not too small no, for me. Thank you. Okay. Um, so can you tell from the um, first paragraph what the purpose of this letter is? This it states that it's an addendum to the original October... 2022 report based on new information from a letter provided by King County in 1982, which showed a water course across the property. Okay. And, and do you agree that um, we've looked at that 1982 King County letter already? Yes, we have. And it indicated there was a stream on the Robson's property at that time. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And um, they did put in a drainage system where that stream was located. That is correct. Okay, so um, it said the next sentence says the ravine was completely drained by the 1983 Timberwood drainage project. Do you agree with that statement? I do not. Okay, and and why do you not agree with that statement? Uh, clearly, there were photos that showed water within the ravine in 1983. Outside of the pipe? Outside of the pipe, yes. And, and water flowing out of a pipe in the hillside. Okay. And did you, and is it based on any exhibits also? Um, of Objection. I'm sorry, may I object? Uh, you may object. You need to state the grounds of your opinion. Okay. I, I'm objecting on the grounds that Ms. Nelson is testifying as an expert in wetlands, in site photography, and it's my understanding she is a planner. I want to respond this way. 
Yes, it is um, Ms. Nelson's job as the planning manager to be able to read and review documentation prepared by experts, prepared by um, licensed professional engineers, prepared by hydrologists, prepared by geotechs, and she needs to understand this information, and she is clearly uh, capable of advising the hearing examiner what those documents say. I agree, and the objection is over. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, you indicated that you saw water that was outside the pipe in 1983. Is that correct? From the photos that were provided by the appellants, yes. All right. And did you also just go through some documents that indicated water could be coming from somewhere other than uh, the pipe? Yes. Yes. Water was flowing um, out of the hillside, out of seeps um, in the ravine. Okay. And was there a spring identified in that area also? Yes, of course. There was a spring identified on the Robson property in the 1968 Morning Heights uh, subdivision record drawings. Okay. Um, if we look at page two of um, exhibit 2E, Mr. Bredberg's October 23rd, 2023 update. Um, he says that um, the issue of the natural drainage course is solved by the 1982 King County Public Works letter. Do you know what he means by that? I am not sure what he means by that. The Drainage course was identified in documents from 1968 and 1974. I don't know why the 82 letter would illuminate anything different. Okay. And do you know what he means by the issue of the natural drainage course is solved? I do not. Okay. Um, it, he indicates that um, he has looked at the 1974 maps from the uh, drainage, or excuse me, from which installation is that? That would be the original drainage installation for the subdivision. For the Timberwood subdivision. The Timberwood subdivision. Okay. And he says that a um, cropped version of sheet one of two shows the existing natural drainage course at the edge of the plat to receive stormwater. Do you agree with that statement? In part, it certainly was receiving stormwater, but it was also receiving natural water flow. Okay. And um, down at the pot, the next paragraph, he talks about the old growth forests. Um, and he concludes at the end of that paragraph, it was only with runoff accelerated by development that a channel formed and created stream-like conditions. Do you agree with that statement? I don't, because I would question why there was a natural drainage course identified on, on maps from 1968 and 1974 if there was no surficial flow. Okay, so maybe if we look up in his letter a little bit, 
he identifies a watercourse at the bottom of page one in the top of page two, and then he identifies a stream. Is it possible that he's he's trying to say there was a natural watercourse, but then it created something like a stream? That's possible. That it's possible that's what he's saying. Yes. Okay. Presumably the gentleman will speak to the letter when it's his turn to testify. Pardon? Presumably he will speak to the letter when it's his turn to testify and he'll clarify this for us. Yes. And we 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 could recall Dawn. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're trying to go through and, and see what she knows. It's a very difficult letter to understand. Um, he indicates, um, again, as he told you at page three, He says, down below um, the Federal Army Corps of Engineers manual excerpt, he indicates that there's an upper central photo with the yellow bulldozer. And he said, the drain was effective as of the 1982 photos show water running through the ravine. The 1983 showed photos show a dry ravine. The yellow bulldozer photo shows the connection of the side drain to the main storm drain and no water, it worked. Do you agree with his characterization of the 1982 photos? I'm not entirely sure what the 1982 photos are unless they're what he's attached in this letter. Uh, the 1983 photos, by understanding, are the photos that were provided by the Appellants in the original BNA report. Okay. And did the 1983 photos show a dry ravine? Not entirely, no. He also indicates at the top of page four and this may be a question for Ms. Jones, that proper maintenance of the ravine would solve the recent drainage issues and restore the ravine to the historic dry conditions established and documented in 1983. Do you agree with that statement? I don't. I believe the storm drain system is working as designed and that any water that is coming down through the ravine at this point in time is really related to overall development in the area, the entirety of the residential uh, development that would feed into this naturally occurring ravine. Okay. And does, does that include groundwater feeding the springs that exist on the Robson property? Yes, groundwater um, identified in uh, the watershed company report as the source of the stream, for example. All right. So right underneath that, um, we have um, this representative uh, discussing the 1987 Federal Army Corps of Engineers manual. And um, you do follow that manual when designating wetlands. Is that correct? Consultants who are creating wetland determination or delineations and um, classifications do follow the federal manual. Yes. 
Okay. And um, the federal manual says, he's quoted a bit that says the regulatory text for this rule excludes the following features. Water-filled depressions created in dry land incidental to construction activity. And do you, do you see that? I do see that. And um, he then says in the next paragraph, this site is an active construction site as it is on the public works problem areas. And it has been a continued area of repair since 2005. As such, it is not recognized by the 1987 Federal Army Corps of Engineers manual as a jurisdictional wetland Rather, it should be referred to as a water-filled depression. Do you agree with that? I don't. We do have historical evidence of springs and seeps that have provided water into this low area or wetland area um, for decades. Um, do you believe that the definition of an active construction site is maintenance of a drainage system that was installed 30 years ago? No, I do not. The last paragraph of Mr. Bradbird's report at page five indicates in the last two sentences that the installation of the stormwater vault to handle road runoff created the wetland condition observed after the mid-90s, which was after July 1990. Is there anything about that sentence with which you disagree? Yes, because the, the stormwater vault was installed to handle the uh, stormwater runoff from the entirety of the development that would have included again, uh, road as well as any hard or impervious surface, as well as uh, the reduction in natural vegetation that would um, take water up out of the ground system. By that, do you mean trees and bushes that were cleared from the site? Yes, from and from the residential development uh, in the surrounding vicinity. Okay. And um, he said, he concludes that the wetland was recreated after 1990 by road construction, and as such, is not regulated. Do you agree with that sentence? I do not. For these, any particular reason or the same reasons? The same reasons. It, it was not solely road construction that created wetland. There were natural springs, natural seeps, and again, I've, as to say again, it wasn't simply road construction or water coming off of roads that was uh, handled by the stormwater system. Okay. I have no further questions. It's time for cross-examination. Are you ready to proceed, Mr. Robson? Yes. Yes. Before you do, I haven't yet had you introduce yourself for the record. Let's just have you, I'm not going to swear you in because you're not testifying, but let's introduce you for the record. Okay. My name is Linda Robson, R-O-B as in boy, S-O-N. And I am the owner with my husband of the property at 9531 Northeast 140 Street in Kirkland. Thank you very much. Please go ahead with your cross-examination. Um, so I'm just going to begin with um, our exhibit A000186. And it's a contract. Um, just 
excuse me? The, the cross-examination, the purpose of cross-examination mm -hmm. is to ask, just to make sure we're clear. I'm going to get there. Okay, it's to make sure, it's to ask questions about the witness's testimony. Specifically about their testimony. Yeah, about the evidence that they relied on in their testimony. So I just want to encourage you to, okay. to go that direction. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, so are there any documents between 1983 and 1985 of wetness or stream on our property? 1995. I am not aware of any specific documents that have been provided to the city during that time frame. Um, and where was water flowing out of the hillside? In that photo that you... Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the photo. This is the photo that is on uh, the page... Uh, the upper photo on page 37 of the uh, photos from 1983. You can see a pipe here. You can see water coming out and draining down. So is the water flying uh, flowing out of the pipe or the hillside? You stated there was water flowing out of the hillside. At this point in this photo, it is flowing out of the pipe that is coming off of the south bank of the ravine. Can you identify the photo in which it's coming out of the hillside? The water. <clears throat> I, only in that it's coming out of a pipe out of the hillside. Where's that water coming from? Objection asked and answered. We'll be here all day if we do this. Yes, I agree. That that's Miss Nelson already testified about at length about the or what she believes is the origin of the water in those photos. Okay. Qualifying statement, what she believes. Thank you. Um so are you a geomorphologist? No, I am not. Are you a soil scientist? No. Are you a geologist? You referenced expert reports. What expert reports? And that addressed the water seeps. I, I, if I did, I did not intend to. So the expert reports that I relied on were uh, the critical areas report that was prepared by the watershed company, and they do identify um, seeps as the source of the stream on the property. So you mentioned the watershed company and the watershed company is who I had a contract with, with the city of Kirkland. And it was the watershed company that did the delineation on our property yes. for Mr. Bredberg's. So um, why did you not get a peer review of Mr. Bredberg's work from the watershed company? Why Objection the DOE? asked and answered. I don't know where that was answered. I don't know where that was answered either. I'm sorry. Let's have her answer the question. It was, I asked her directly why she did not um, peer review. Excuse me. She responded directly with a slide as to why his report was not peer reviewed. She can answer again. Yeah, let's, uh, this question was, why did the watershed company not peer review the- Mr. Bradberg's report. Because my contract, I paid them. 
for the first report. So when I submit a second report, why not them? The city did not uh, feel the need to send the report out for third-party review. It was not a wetland delineation or classification, did not meet the city's standards for a critical area report. Um, and, and we already had a determination that had been prepared for the property. So are you an expert on the 1987 manual? No, I am not. Is the install is the installation of a new culvert and a ditch maintenance considered maintenance by the city if it's a new culvert and a new ditch that that was done on our property in 2017-18 we were never informed and am, we cannot find a record for it. I am not that's out of my scope of expertise a whole lot of questions all okay. wrapped up she needs to be able to answer one at a time okay so is so the installment of a new culvert or um, ditch maintenance you are unable to answer that question objection that's a question for public works kelly jones could answer that question okay i don't, I don't believe her testimony addressed that so okay it would be outside the scope of cross so what is a natural spring or seep uh, that is defined in the uh, staff report. Um, I don't have it have it up, but it is defined. Maybe somebody can give us the page reference. It's one of the footnotes, Adam. Uh, so based on uh, the USGS definition, a spring is a place where water moving underground finds an opening to the land surface and emerges, sometimes as a trickle and sometimes as a continuous flow. That's in the staff report, footnote number five. A quote from the USGS. Also, I don't know what you guys can do about it, but the whispering going on and like, it's really two people asking questions. And I was definitely asking you to have one person ask the questions. So I don't. I'll try to be just the person asking. Okay. I have no further questions. Thank you. Thank you. Any redirect? No. Okay. Ms. Nelson, thank you so much for your testimony. Thank you. Shall we introduce the next city witness? At this time, I call Kelly Jones to the stand. Yes, please. I heard you. I'll pull up your report. While he, okay, I was going to say we can introduce you while he's getting the documents set up. If you would, please. All right. 
Is state, it on? State okay. and spell your name for the record. Give me your correct job title and then let me swear you in. Okay. Uh, my name is Kelly Jones, K-E-L-L-I-J-O-N-E-S, and I'm the Surface Water Manager with the Public Works Department. If you would please raise your right hand, do you swear or affirm your testimony today will be true? If so, please say, I do. I do. Thank you very much. Ms. Pearl, is Ms. Jones going to do the same? Yes. Okay. I'd like to ask Ms. Jones to go through her report and then I may have some follow-up questions for her and then of course, cross-examination. Okay, uh, so this is the memo or the report that I wrote. Um, it's summarizing uh, to the best of my knowledge and research what the drainage system near the, near, uh, the Robson's property um, is doing. So in 1974, the Timberwood subdivision was created, which was a single family residential subdivision, um, was built to collect and convey the water across the open tract. And this tract was a natural discharge location for the project. Um, in 1984, the King County Public Works Department constructed a drainage repair project that tightlined the system, um, which is building the pipe drainage or putting the the open course into a pipe drainage system through the property and through the Robson's property. Um, this extended all the way through their property out to uh, Northeast 140th Street um, into a ditch near there that then drained into, I'm sorry, it drained into a ditch originally and then drained out into Northeast 140th Street. Um, and it was built through a flood control easement that was on the property. And here's the record number for that. Uh, recording number. And then in the mid-2000s, um, through the King County records that we received when we annexed the property, it appears that they added two catch basins to convey and tightline the system where there was an open ditch and a sediment, a sedimentation pond. Um, they tightlined that system, again, putting it into a pipe system all the way out into Northeast 140th Street. Um, and then as part of that work, the inspector at the time did note that the access road needed to include a drainage system as the area was wet due to it being fed from a spring. And that is highlighted in their um, maintenance record. And here was- Ms. Jones, can oh. you tell the um, hearing examiner what that road was built from? What it was built from? Oh, it was built, yeah. It's a gravel road um, that was built up to the uh, tank system here that they installed as part of the Timberwood drainage repair project um, to be able to access and clean this system. And then, um, and yep, it was built out of gravel. It was not a paved surface. Um, and this is where that I was referencing. There used to be a ditch here. Um, this is where it appears that they put in structures in order to pipe it out to Northeast 140th Street. And so between 2005 and 2010, King County had multiple inspection reports that were created, um, again, to clean the system, as well as to identify the need to restore and rebuild the access road um, to the tank to be able to clean it. Um, and there was no record, though, that was included for when this work was completed. And then also in 2009, um, the Robsons applied for a special use permit with King County to connect into an existing pipe at a catch basin and backfill an open ditch within the county easement area. 
Um, there's no figures or plans that were attached with that permit. Um, however, it does indicate that there was additional work that was completed on the property. And here is the permit with the highlighted language there. So when the Timberwood subdivision was created, um, it had two drainage points or discharge points into the existing natural drainage course. This is discharge point one, this is discharge point two. And again, that is for the entirety of the subdivision, um, including the road houses and any landscaping that was done as part of that. Um, I don't know, you want me to go into super detail? <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay, so, okay. Um, and here's just, um, as today's, um, we have some GIS layers that we can look at the impervious and pervious areas. So that's just summarizing the total area that it was draining. Um, as part of the files we received from King County, we weren't able to actually have the actual drainage calculations. So we created our own using the current stormwater design manual, which is the 2021 King County Surface Water Design Manual to calculate those flows. And in, um, basically we looked at the amount of flow that was draining to the property, as well as the capacity of the pipe through that system. And what we were able to summarize through that is that um, the system can convey the 25 year storm event, which is um, exceeds our current stormwater design regulations. Um, in this system, it would be a 10 year storm event for an existing system. Uh, for the maintenance, um, we annexed the areas Don mentioned in, in 2021, June 1, 2021. Um, we are required uh, by our National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System, which is our NPDES permit, to at minimum inspect all stormwater facilities annually and all catch basins every two years. Um, additionally, our uh, Kirkland Municipal Code tells us that we need to maintain those systems um, based on the King County Surface Water Design Manual Appendix A, and those are both attached at the end of this document. Um, and so per those standards, there was Stormwater Facility 1 here and Stormwater Facility 2 were recently inspected in 2023 and did not trigger any maintenance based on those applicable standards they have in the past and they were cleaned within the timeframes that we were required to. Um, and then all catch basins refer referenced in the map above were all recently inspected as well, either in 2021 or 2023. And they either met those standards or they were also cleaned and maintained um, to meet the standards. Uh, the other thing that you will note on our GIS is that there is this red, black, red and black line that's called our drainage concern line. Um, this drainage concern line um, is used to highlight certain drainage systems or portions of those systems to convey information to both our internal and external stakeholders um, and are often used as opportunities to partner with either other city projects going on um, or development projects to help resolve issues. Um, this, this specific drainage concern, um, when you identify it, is uh, signaled as an unmaintainable system. While we're able to inspect the system, uh, we have difficulties taking equipment up the ravine 
And so we're able to maintain up to the facility, although it's sometimes difficult with the saturation, but we are able to get to the facility, but can't really get up into this area with heavy equipment, but we are able to still walk and inspect all of those systems. And so we also document the drainage complaints we've received in the area. Um, and in our records, we have two complaints. Um, one from the property 9717 Northeast 140th Street, which is this property here. This is the Robson property, and this is um, the property that we received one complaint from. Uh, in 2018, they noted that there was a clogged drainage basin and had the potential to drain onto their property. Um, and we responded and cleaned the system, and the homeowner has not called back since. In 2021, um, the Robsons called uh, with concerns of saturation on their property that they believed was caused from the drainage system failure. Our crews responded, inspected, and found no issues with the system. Um, the property owner was notified that it, at all the drainage system appeared to be in working order. Uh, they also asked about the drainage concern line and staff explained that um, this was an unmaintainable system or as highlighted due to an unmaintainable system difficulties accessing the property, but it appeared that the system was in good working condition. And we also noted that the sogginess on the property was not in relation to the drainage system failure, but appeared to be from seep springs or other natural water courses on the property. And so um, based on all that information, the Timberwood project was installed to collect and convey all the stormwater from the Timberwood subdivision in a pipe system downstream or downstream of the ROPS two sorry, downstream of the Robson's property. Uh, it is able to carry, or it it's, it appears to be designed to carry at least the 25-year storm event, which exceeds our current standards. Maintenance records indicate the system is functioning properly. And then as documented in our complaint files, um, it appears the seeps appear to be from historically naturally occurring seep springs or other natural water courses. Thank you. Ms. Jones, I have a couple follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. um, you indicated that one of the documents showed that um, there was a flood control easement across the Robson's property. Is that correct? Correct. And is that easement located in the area where the current uh, wetland is located? Correct. I don't have that, but I think Don had it on a different exhibit. There it is. Okay. This is the flood easement. Here. So, um, and were you here listening to um, Ms. Nelson's testimony? Yes. And um, did you review the documents that she reviewed? No. Did you see the one she pulled up today? Oh, yes. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't I, review all of the documents, um, but I saw the ones that, yes, she brought up today. Okay. And did you note that um, in addition to the flood control easement, there is also a floodplain that was actually designated in the wetland area? Yes. And did you notice that there were springs found and located within the wetland area? Yes. And did you notice that the wetland area is also in a natural drainage course from east to west? Yes. 
Okay, now um, I just want to clarify that this property was annexed by the city in what year? 2011. Okay, I, th I think you might have misspoke and said okay. 2021. So I just oh. wanted to make sure. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Longer, yeah. Okay, and then I really want to make sure we understand what we mean when you say unmaintainable system. Mm -hmm. um, can you pull up that red line document again? I sure can. I have to find it. So that's in um, ex, uh, Exhibit 17, part of your report. Is that correct? Correct. <clears throat> okay. So we're looking at a red and black line that says drainage concern line. Is that correct? Correct. And is the entirety of that black and red line unmaintainable via equipment? No. Okay. So what, what portion actually is unmaintainable via equipment? From about this point to the east. Okay, so for the record, your cursor was at the yellow square, whatever that is. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, it's hard to see without uh actual the actual structures. Um but, but the, maybe a better representation would be uh, apologies for my scrolling here. From this from asset, oh gosh. You can increase oh, by hitting nine. the plus two eight. Zero nine nine from asset two eight zero nine nine to the west is what is considered um unmaintainable. Um how far west? Um uh, all the way to the I don't have the asset number, probably a little bit east of the roadway. We were able to add, we were able to access the structure here and clean down, but we aren't able to get to that first structure. So the structure you're indicating you can clean is on what street? Oh. <laughs> Avenue Northeast, which one? Let's see, here we go. Uh, 94th Avenue Northeast. We can Thank clean you. the structure on 94th Avenue Northeast. Uh, with equipment, correct? With equipment, yes. And then can you, walk the entirety of that um, line? Yes. And can you clean all the structures um, by hand if you can't reach them by equipment? If necessary, yes. And has that ever been necessary? No. Okay. And um, once again, I thought I heard you say that because that line is in a very steep ravine, one of the is that one of the reasons why you don't have to clean the in between structures? Correct. And is gravity helping? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Could could you explain Pushing. it more fully? Yes. <laughs> uh, the the ravine through here is really steep, and so with the pipes and the structures and what with water flowing so quickly through the system, this is also one of the reasons why it's able to convey so much water. Um, and able to convey the 25-year storm event through our calculations is because the system is 
between 13 to 16%. Um, so it's a very steep system pushing water through very quickly. So not letting it settle out. Sorry, you said a grade and I missed it. 13 to 13 to 16%. All right. And I believe you identified the structure that we can clean. Um, and that is 8099. Is that um, accessible by the gravel road? Uh, no, but we can flex tube, which is a, a way that we can clean systems where we can attach a tube to the end of our truck and then shove it through the tank and be able to suck through. Okay. And, clean. and in, in your um, review of these um, maintenance records, did you find anything indicating um, that we or King County, that the city of Kirkland since 2011 has constructed any new access road to this area? No. Um, have you been able to determine that the city of Kirkland has constructed any new ditches in this area? No. Got through the records that I was able to look through. Okay. All right. I have no further questions. Okay. Time for cross-examination, please. So I'm looking at page 16 of 243 for the city of Kirkland. It's exhibit one. Oh, give me a quick sec. It's our exhibits. Thank you. Somebody took over. Page 16 of your of, of Kirkland's 243. Sorry, no, I'm not clear. Item 2A on, exi on exhibit one and at the bottom of the page, it says item page 16 of 243. Exhibit one only has 16 pages. I believe she is talking about our combined one exhibit, which is Bates numbered page 16 of the of the full exhibit. Just a moment. At the top, it says E page 17. There's lots of different references here, so I'm kind of giving you all of them. He's doing it. <laughs> So it's the technical technical assistance request, and it's page five of ten on that technical assistance request. 
page 16 of this one, I think. Thank you everyone for your patience and thank you to Mr. Cole for finding the document. Page 18. Okay, I got it. Oh, right. <laughs> Is this? That's it. Okay. Right there. Okay. It's arrived. <laughs> yeah. So in that first paragraph there, it says, um, it is the ecology's understanding that the swale inlet or other associated structure, structures were installed between 2016 and 2018 to stop water leaving the wetland from flooding the house and yard on the property to the southeast of the parcel. Do we, so, know, what, do we know what document this is from? That's the technical assistance request that you received from Department of Ecology. So I'm wondering where that record is of that installation. I don't know, I can't find it. Okay. Now, if you go to our exhibit A000193, Figure three. Sorry, which exhibit number? It was. It, it's our page number A000193. Need to know which exhibit yeah. to look at. Exhibit number three for the um, appellants. Thank you. So the bait stamps are in the lower right-hand corner. We have to scroll until we find 193. So I'm looking 193. Sit right there. The bottom of that page, mm -hmm. figure three, it'll say outlet cover. Outlet culvert for wetland A. What is that? That is a trash rack. Um, and that's used to try and prevent debris from clogging the pipe. Coming out or going in? Going in. Thank you. When was that installed? I don't know. That is my that that's the record I cannot find. I don't know. Okay. We can't find it either. Okay. Um, so why did a gravel road work for access from the east for 20 years and then get too wet to use? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't, I don't have any other information from that aside from what was in that, uh, King County document. Sort of, sort of inexplicable, would you say? Objection, misconstrues testimony. This witness said she doesn't know, not that it can't be explained. Okay, no record. Sustained. Were you on site in 1983? No. 1995? No. 2005? No. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Let me redirect. No, thank you, Ms. Jones. 
you very much for your testimony. Um, next city witness. Call our next witness, uh, the Director of Planning and Building, Adam Weinstein. For, for the recording, would you please spell your name for me? Yes, uh, Adam, A-D-A-M, uh, last name Weinstein, W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. -E very much. Do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. I do. Thank you, and go ahead. Okay, so uh, Mr. Weinstein, could you tell us what your primary duties are here at the city? Yes, I'm the planning and building director for the city. And as such, I oversee the entire department and all of its divisions and provide leadership to the department. So work on everything from code enforcement to permit review to wetland delineations um, to long range planning for the city. Right. And are you familiar with the city's um, definition of a wetland? Yes. And are you familiar with the exceptions to what is not a regulated wetland? Yes, I am. Have you worked on uh, cases uh, that involved those exceptions in the past? Yes, I have. Yeah, we have a very wet city in Kirkland um, with lots of wetlands and streams. So I've worked on a number of um, cases that specifically dealt with the exceptions to the rule. Okay. And have you, for instance, had to determine whether or not a wetland was in existence before 1990? Yes. And um, have you uh, rendered decisions on that? Yes, I have. Or were those decisions appealed? Yes, they and, have been. Some of them have been appealed. And um, were the ones that appealed, did you prevail? Yes, we did prevail. And, and um, do you take this issue seriously? Absolutely. Yeah, I know that... Um, well, and determination, determinations have really high stakes for people, um, for both the city and the public, and then also folks who own property. So, yeah, we take, um, yeah, the determinations and the appeals very, very seriously and look at all the evidence um, in our possession. All right. And did you um, have a chance to go through the supplemental report by Mr. Bredberg? Yes, I did. And did you see his opinion that um, the wetland on the Robson's property is a result of construction of a road, street, or highway? I did see that, yeah. And uh, do you agree with that conclusion? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't didn't feel like it was supported by adequate evidence. Um, it's refuted by, you know, a vast, uh, a substantial, uh, a substantial um, documentation that we've gotten and have reviewed as part of this that show historic seeps and springs in the area. Um, and, um, you know, development records showing stormwater drainage being installed, not necessarily as a result of um, the construction of a road or a highway or a street. Right. And um, did you have a chance to um, look at the same documents that um, have been shown by both Ms. Jones and Ms. Nelson today? Yes. Yes, okay. I've seen them all. All right. And do you concur with Ms. Nelson's opinion? Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's substantial evidence showing that there has been a wetland on the site that it was not intentionally created. It was also not created as a result of a stream um, or um, a, a, sorry, a street or a road or a highway um, and that it was in existence well before July 1st, 1990. 
And I want to ask you a little bit about the Department of Ecology. Mm -hmm. um, we received a question from the um, Robsons as to whether or not it was standard protocol to involve the Department of Ecology when we're looking at questions of whether or not there is an exception to a regulated wetland. And can you uh, identify whether or not that's standard protocol? Yes, absolutely standard protocol when there's a wetland dispute. Um, we do often call the Department of Ecology. They're, um, they're experts in their field as well. We take their um, analysis into account when we make our own decision. Do we always agree with them? We don't always agree with them. We we take um, we look at their evidence and we look at all the other evidence that we receive, including from appellants um, and including other other evidence that the city has accumulated, and then um, make an independent decision. All right. So just just to be sure, I want to um, confirm whether or not there was any type of unusual procedure or bias involved in the determination in this appeal. Yeah, absolutely not. This was a real by-the-book analysis um, for a situation like this. Okay, thank you, Ms. Mr. Weinstein. I have no further questions. Thanks. Great. Thank you for that. We will go to cross-examination. Hi. Hi. So you stated that, how long, well, first of all, how long have you worked for the city of Kirkland? I worked for the city of Kirkland since December of 2017. 2017. Okay, and you stated that you've never overturned um, oh, a wetland delineation. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not unclear what, what you're in. I, I thought I heard about. you say that in all of the years and work you've done on uh, property owners who've submitted a wetland delineation, that when there was a wetland delineation, it's it's been upheld, that you've upheld it. You've never found a cause to find error. Objection, misconstrues testimony. Could you repeat your testimony for me then? Yeah, I, I, I think what you're maybe asking about is um, if our if a wetland determination issued by our department has been appealed, um, have we ever decided to overturn the initial decision? And I think that the, the answer would be no. Okay, no. that's what I that's what I'm addressing. Okay, um, I have uh, an example here from February eighth of two thousand thirteen on the. Uh, Gertie property in Kirkland. Um, it's a pond confirmation at 9757 124th Avenue Northeast. It's part of our exhibit. It's A0004. I have it. Yeah. And in that um, letter, Mr. Bredberg, uh, BNA Inc., was called in to do a, another review, and Watershed Company met him on site, and they had the discussion that, in fact, the Watershed Company was in error, and then that, that delineation was overturned. So that's an example. Yeah, and I was I was um, when I answered your question before I was specifically talking about my time at the city of Kirkland, and yeah, I didn't wasn't aware during my time at the city of Kirkland that um, a decision was overturned. This was, you know, four years before I arrived in Kirkland. All right, okay, I misunderstood. Okay, um, was there a wetland in nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety five? 
on our property. Objection exceeds the scope of his testimony. Yeah, he he's not the witness who testified to that. It was Miss Nelson who spoke to those conditions. Is there a question? Where were you going with that that Mr. Weinstein would be able to speak to? Well, we were just looking for if the city has any proof that there was a wetland on our property between 1983 and 1985. If there's any proof besides assumptions. And it the city objects to that question just on the basis that it's of relevance. We're not contesting there was a wetland prior to 1990. Uh, we made that clear that we don't have delineations from that time. And so um, the issue here is we're going to assume it was created after 1990. And the issue is whether it's a result of construction of a road, street, or highway. I agree. It's... Uh... And also, I don't know that the witness could answer the question. Pardon? I'm, I'm not sure it's his question to answer. Okay. No further questions. Right. Any redirect? No redirect. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Weinstein. Thanks. At this time, the city rests. Okay. Oh, it's 1145. I propose that we break. Can we break? For a brief lunch, can can the parties be satisfied with 30 minutes? 30, 30 that, minutes. That, okay, back, at, good? back at 12.15? Yeah, let's do that. Thank you. Okay. We're going to rest. Oh, I'm sorry. Pause the recording. We'll come back at 12.15. 12, Thank you. Excellent to know. All right. We're back from a very quick lunch break, and we are ready to begin with the appellant's case. Ms. Robson. So um, I call Lawrence Fisher as our witness, and he's attending via Zoom. Let me check your audio. Could you let us know? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. And you can hear us? Yes. Excellent. All right, Ms. Robson, are you going to ask Mr. Fisher questions, or is he going to present narrative testimony? He's going to present narrative testimony. Excellent. Then, sir, what we will do is, please, may I have you state and spell your name for the record, and then also give me your credit, your credentials, your correct credentials, the title I should introduce you as in the findings, and then I will swear you in. My name is Lawrence or Larry Fisher, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R. I have a bachelor's degree in wildlife biology and a master's degree in fisheries. I worked over 31 years for the State Department of Fish and Wildlife as a habitat biologist, mostly issuing hydraulic project approval permits and doing various environmental reviews such as SEPA, forest practices, Army Corps permits, um, things like that. Great, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand to take the oath. Do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say, I do. I do. Thank you, Mr. Fisher. We're ready for your testimony. So I would like to have my report pulled up, please. Can we... <clears throat> that is our A000291. Do you know what exhibit it's exhibit, exhibit 
We're getting there, Mr. Fisher. Okay. I am there. You go down the, yeah. two pages. Yeah, so do you want me to read through that? Or? Well, that's my resume there at the bottom. Next page, right? Nope. <laughs> yep, right there. Okay, so that's where the report starts. Watercourse assessment, the Robson's parcel. Uh, so I did this assessment on October 4th after I reviewed the uh, October 19, 2022 b &A report related to wetland issues in the ravine. And uh, you want me to just read this whole thing or? I definitely don't wish for you to read it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let me skip down to the key issues. Um, everybody knows that this water course has been subjected to a history of public works projects. And those were done each to address uh, some kind of stormwater issues. So what we've ended up with after this timber wood drainage project was constructed is a totally piped water course. And from my experience under these conditions, if you were to ask probably almost every one of the habitat biologists at Fish and Wildlife, they'll tell you once this is all piped like this, they're no longer going to consider that a jurisdictional water course and they're not going to require permits for work in it, basically. So let's skip down to uh, the last latter part of the report. I went out there and I found basically the entire system is all in pipes now, except for a very tiny piece that comes in from the South Hill. So there's this uh, figure one it shows the storm drain for the uh, timberwood drainage project. Now, this is the upper end of where they installed these underground stormwater detention pipes. And the plans that I saw show each of these pipes 85 feet long and 72 inches diameter, two pipes parallel, intended to provide stormwater detention. It's like a retrofit. Um, due to the conditions that were created by the undetained stormwater from all these lots. Because back then in the 80s and prior, there was very poor um, stormwater detention. As a matter of fact, when I started working for Department of Fisheries in 1990, we were the spearhead that resulted in all of the current ecology manuals and regulation of stormwater. Department of Fisheries and Department of Wildlife took that on because the government was doing such a poor job and it was resulting in a lot of damage to streams and wetlands. So let's uh, let's skip down to uh, a little lower. At the bottom end of the property, you can see these two additional catch basins. Those are just the continuation of the buried water course. It's probably, I don't know if it's buried all the way to Juanita Creek. I saw one of the, um, Drawings actually showed Juanita Creek. So, I mean, this is what happened to Juanita Creek over time. And the county engineers, from my experience, I've worked with them back in the early 90s, and they would just treat Juanita Creek, even in the open channels, as a stormwater conveyance, nothing else. So let's keep going down. 
Okay, hold on. I went across some of the codes there about the definitions of, um, you know, what constitutes a jurisdictional water course. And I, I mentioned previously that at this point in time, since it's all piped, um, that, that would not be considered a jurisdictional water course at any other time. And there is one other major issue that is being overlooked here in this discussion, and that is about the wetland. So what I believe happened, and I have some knowledge of soils and wetlands. I took the Department or the uh, Army Corps training on wetland delineation. And part of my job was to um, review a lot of delineations, even though I never was responsible for doing any myself. I have a lot of experience with that. Um, what I believe happened was when they installed those two pipes that were the initial storm drain is they, they constructed an access road up to that point, at least up to that point. They compacted the soils in the process. They probably put, it, put in fill material. And then after they were done, um, they covered it all over with fill. And over time, due to the seepage in the, um, you know, water flows downhill, right? And it also flows through the soil. So it clogged up the whatever porous capacity was associated with that bottleneck in um, the drainage basin. You can actually see it if you look at a top view. Um, the wetland formed over time as a result. And I think um, this is what you're going to hear a lot more uh, from BNA, Mr. Bradberg, when he testifies. Um, but that is my impression. Now, everyone else has talked about, um, well, the project, the Timberline Drainage Project was put in to deal with the to total, you know, of the area's um, stormwater inputs. But what they're overlooking is the actual construction of the project itself is what caused the wetland as well. So I hope um, that will be given serious consideration because that's just been overlooked to this point. And those are the two main points I wanted to make. Mr. Fisher, could I just ask you to clarify the last statement? Um, uh, you know, I didn't introduce myself to you. I don't know if you were on at the beginning. I'm sorry if you if you missed. I'm Sharon Rice, the acting as the city's hearing examiner. I just wanted to ask you if you would. You said the wetland was caused by the construction itself, and just clarify exactly which construction you mean. So when the Timberline drainage project was constructed, as um, I showed on that. Uh, photograph with the grate that shows the, uh, the the upper end of where those two underground detention pipes are. The plans show that as two 85 foot long by 72 inch diameter pipes. They're parallel. They go down into this bottleneck of the drainage. And as a result, when they filled that back over, you know, then they had, and the road that they constructed is the road to access that and maintain it. That is what created the wetland. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask Ms. Robson, did you have some questions you wanted to ask of this witness or were, was that all the testimony you wanted him to provide? We're finished. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Let me ask the city if the city has cross-examination for the witness. The city does. Okay. Thank you. Stand by, Mr. Fisher. 
Could you please pull up uh, city's exhibit number six? Mr. Fisher, my name is Stephanie Kroll. I'm the senior assistant city attorney for the city of Kirkland. Thank you for joining us today. Um, uh, can you see the exhibit uh, on your screen from the watershed report, the delineation of the wetland and the stream? Yes. Okay. And um, you were uh, talking about some catch basins and photos of catch basins. Um, do you know if those catch basins were located anywhere in the straight uh, solid blue line that is delineated as a stream? Uh, I think the stream it's showing there is that side tributary. The blue line that's showing going down <laughs> to uh, the Culvert Inlet. Okay, so my question is, did you, with those pictures of catch basins, show us any catch basin located within the solid blue line that's delineated as a stream? It, it doesn't show up on that drawing. Do you know where those catch basins were located today? Um, they don't show up on that. Did you make your own exhibit showing where the catch basins were located? I took the photographs. Okay, and you do not recall, you do not recall today where those photographs were taken? Is that correct? Uh, if you could, if you could find the grate that is the inlet for those two pipes, it's. I think it's. I'm not even sure if that's accurate. That dashed line. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. This is what the watershed company prepared. Yeah, there's no doubt they delineated a wetland. Nobody's and a stream. That. The question is, how did that wetland get formed? Okay, do you see figure two, stream A, a type non-fish bearing stream sourced from seep? Do you see that photograph? Yeah, I believe that's the same one that's in the uh, <clears throat> my last photograph of my report. This is... This is at page six of the watershed report. Do you see figure two there? Right. Okay, and um, there is no catch basin in this figure, is that correct? That figure I believe is showing the outlet where it discharges onto the property. The stream, correct. Well, you can call it a stream if you want, but if the city considers a stream, why weren't there no permits obtained for the project? That's the other third point that I wanted to make. Well, um, Mr. Fisher, there's been no project at this time. That is what the appellants are asking for. And we have determined that it is a stream. I'm referring so, to the project that's referenced in my report, not the Robson's proposal. The project from 1984? <clears throat> 
No, the subsequent project that <clears throat> Linda Robson was discussing that occurred sometime between around 2016 or 17 or 18, that okay. apparently was done on the property by the city <clears throat> without their permission. Uh, well, there is no evidence that that ever occurred. Are you aware of that? Have you seen any project <clears throat> permits for that? That's the point. There were no permits obtained, but Have there's evidence that a project was done. And um, what is your evidence of that? Uh, it shows up in the photograph that I took. Okay. The, I, I the other photograph it. that was shown with the um, trash rack, that's the yes. one. Yes. Okay, so we do know a trash rack was installed. We don't know when, and we don't know by whom. Do you? Uh, well, I don't think anybody else would have done it. So, no, you're right. I, I mean, I can't prove conclusively it was the city that did that, but who else would have done it? Well, King County would have done it. Oh, possibly. Yeah. So let's not speculate. Let's just talk about what you know, Mr. Fisher, please. But that's in the unincorporated city, uh, the uh, incorporated city of Kirkland now. So King County wouldn't have done that. Well, we don't know when it was done. We don't it know when fairly, it was done. It looks like it's a fairly recent project to me, and I've looked at a lot of projects. Okay. I'll take that into consideration, Mr. Fisher. Um, at this point, um, we are showing you a stream that is located in the solid line designated by the watershed company. And I just want to know, did you observe that stream on site when you did your reconnaissance of this? Project? I did see that. Yes, I did see that. Okay. And you don't consider it a stream. Is that your opinion? You're contradicting the watershed company. Uh, I Actually, I didn't say I wouldn't consider that a stream. It, so you it looks like a tributary. It looks like a tributary to me. Okay, so um, I don't know what you mean by that. So it's a tributary to a stream. Well, as you can see, everything else has been totally piped in the vicinity. There has been an underground system put in for pipes. That's correct. Yeah, that's you, this we is the only one in the area that's still open that I know of. And if it's still open, it's still a stream, correct? Um, well, yeah, that little segment would still be considered a jurisdictional stream, I think. Yeah. I have no but the rest questions. of it would not. All the part that's piped would not be. I have no further questions. Thank you. We concluded with the witness, Ms. Robson. Can I redirect? Yes, you may. So if you could pull up our exhibit 000224. I need the exhibit number. I mean, sorry, Paige. Exhibit three. Thank you. That's not it. Exhibit there, exhibit three. Exhibit so, three. What page? It's our A000224.
that's it. That's it right there. So the city just asked a question about the work that was done um, on that catch basin that there's no record of, no permitting for in 2016, 17, 18, I believe you said. And um, I want to draw the city's attention to this uh, particular exhibit from our neighbor to the east, where she is writing to the city and saying that this was about the time there was additional work done on the drains around the time we requested the city help decrease the runoff across the front of our property. So our neighbor made a request to the city for help. Just one second. If, can somebody please silence that phone? Sorry, it's mine. Thank you. <laughs> so my point is that to support what uh, Mr. Fisher just said, appears pretty obvious that the city did the work without permitting. Is that a question for me? No, sort of supporting what you said. And then- Well, that's what um, it looks like to me. I've seen a lot of projects and that looks like fairly recent work and you can see the quarry spalls they put in to fill around the culvert inlet on the downstream end, like trash rack, that looks, you know, that's not that old. Okay. So now I'd ask that our exhibit, um, it's the, again, it's a technical assistance request from um, City of Kirkland to the Department of Ecology. Um, it's that reports, that requested reports, page five of 10, it's, <clears throat> I need to know your exhibit number. It is the city's exhibit um, one, and it's it's item page at the bottom right, um, 16 of 243. It's the same page that we looked at a little earlier. So it's not in exhibit one. It's in the overall packet, and it's page, what was the page number? It's 16 of 243. And the upper right-hand corner, it says exhibit one, but... Item 2A, Exhibit 1. Here we are. Item page 16 of 243. That's the page right there. And that's where the Department of Ecology is acknowledging that um, there were other associated structures installed between 2016 and 18 to stop water leaving from flooding the house and yard on the property to the southeast of the parcel. Are these questions for Mr. Fisher? Uh, no, not no. specifically. So then we're kind of, we're kind of exceeding the scope then of what's okay. supposed to be happening now. This is an opportunity to get Mr. Fisher's testimony. Okay. Did you have any anyway, other? That, that is consistent with what I observed. Okay. And are you getting prepared for another question? Okay. She's preparing to ask you another question, sir. Okay. 
Please stand by. Okay, I'm ready. Sorry. So this is our exhibit two. And the page, um, page number is A000147. You know, we're going to have to scroll through exhibit two until we find out where that page is. Page number again, please. A000147. It's a topographic survey performed by ORCA land surveying. I don't know if you can flip that to landscape. Can you zoom in on the wetland area, the delineated wetland area, make it a bit larger? Okay, Mr. Fisher, can you identify where those catch basins uh, that you uh, have in your report are located on this topographic survey? Uh. So there's the, uh, right in the middle, it says D, existing SDMH. Is, I think that's the, uh, the main pipe. So would that be the first catch basin in your photographs that have the big X on, that has the big X on it in your report? Well, it's kind of hard to tell because they don't show, they don't all show up. Okay. I'm not, this is not a familiar uh, drawing to me. So it does show that other tributary on the side to the south and the catch uh, check dams they put in. And that eventually joins in with the other pipe. Could you explain to us um, 
how can a stream be feet 15 feet long? Well, it's just the remnant of what's left after, um, you know, people have been in there monkeying around with it. There probably was a seep or something there and they, uh, they probably added, they might have added some storm water into it. This is the case with most of the drainage in the area as it developed, they added more and more storm water. So they decided to put in pipes to address it. Okay. Thank you. Could we go to, um, it's within the Breadberg report. It's our exhibit two. And our Bates number zero, 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 five, one. I just know the way that I submitted them. Oh, here, here, here it is. That those are the photos right there. That that one. Do you see any streams in that photograph with our lab? Well, it looks like, uh, as was uh, discussed earlier, that may be a bypass pipe during construction. as they were uh, constructing the Timberline drainage project. Okay. Could you scroll to the next photo? Do you see a stream there? Well, no, it's just the eroded bank. Or They might have actually excavated that. Keep going down. Do you see a stream there? Uh, well, there's this suspicious-looking pipe to the left of the drawing now. I'm not sure if that's also a part of the bypass system and they've put that in there and then, no, it doesn't, doesn't really look like they've installed a bypass pipe. Somehow there is a pipe there. I don't have an explanation for it. It doesn't, it looks out of place. Next picture. Do you see a stream there? Well, the, you know, you're looking at, uh, construction project in progress and you know they've always got this catch basin structure there that they're going to install somewhere and they have this pipe that is apparently <clears throat> I'm not sure if that's a bypass pipe or if that's the project I, I can't tell so where's the stream well it's it's either in a pipe now or it's going to be soon okay thank you Could you scroll down again, please? That one, yes, same question. Do you see a stream there? Well, no, it's the same, you mean, who knows what, what's going on now because they've been in there constructing and you know they've changed things. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. That's it. All right, is the, is the city done with the, any questions for this witness? I do have a couple questions. Mr. Fisher, we're going to have a couple more questions from the city. Could you pull up this exhibit again? One four seven. 
from the ORCA report. Got to figure out every time which section of two. I'm so sorry. He's doing a great job, by the way. If we, there we go. It's like rounds of applause during hearings. We would give him one now. Yeah. But we don't do that. So just consider yourself applauded. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Thank you, Brian. Um, uh, Mr. Fisher, uh, Brian, could you zoom in again on the wetland area? Okay, uh, out a little bit, sorry. There we go, right there. Okay, do you see to the right of the screen where there's um, a retaining wall? Can you, can you put the cursor on it? Yes, <laughs> railway. Yeah, okay. Railway tie can, retaining wall, yeah. Wall. Yeah, and up, up in that area, it's called the SD Inlet. Right. Okay. So, um, is that on the Robson's property? That portion? Uh, no, that's just off the property. Apparently, that's off the property. And um, are you aware that that is where the grate is located? Yeah, the inlet uh, with the uh, catch the um, trash rack, right? Correct. That's located on the neighbor's property, correct? It looks like it according to this figure. Yes, and that and that's what the neighbors testified to in the email that we looked at, correct? Um, right, that's what they were talking about. And that is well outside where the stream is delineated, isn't it? Um well, it's part of the stream. The stream, the stream is right here. The stream is right here. That's it. This is the stream. So over here where the trash rack is, is not in the stream, correct? I don't know how you figure that. Because here is where the stream is located. If that wasn't where the stream was, they wouldn't put a trash rack on that culvert. Okay, Mr. Fisher, did you see the exhibit prepared by the watershed company delineating the stream? I did. Yeah, I read the report. And they delineated it right here where my cursor is. Is that correct? Well, that's part of it. That is all they delineated as a stream. Is that correct? I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Assume that they are correct and you're looking at this exhibit. If the trash rack is here... It is not in the stream and it is not in the wetland. So it does not need a permit, does it? Well, if that's what they said, they're incorrect. And yes, it does need a permit. It is outside the stream, correct? No, it is not outside the stream. And it's outside the delineated wetland, correct? Just because they said that's the only place there's a stream doesn't mean they're correct. It looks like they're incorrect. So you believe clearly that trash rack is on a stream, Colbert Inlet. And you believe that the stream is more extensive than the watershed company delineated. I'm not sure as to the accuracy of this figure. I, well, this is Orca land surveying. This isn't the watershed company. This is Orca land surveying. I believe the witness has answered my question, Madam Hearing Examiner, and I have no further questions. 
Ms. Robson. Um, Mr. Fisher, if you look uh, east of that line that Ms. Kroll was referring to, where the quote-unquote retaining tie, a uh, railroad tie is, first of all, we know that ORCA has corrected that. It, there are no railroad ties there. It's riprap. But if you look to the to the west of that, excuse me, to the west of that, you'll see what is referred to as a railroad tie on our property. Is that correct? Rail tie dam there. See, I see two. And that's, that is in the delineated wetland, correct? The green right. area. Yeah. Right. Right. It's in the area they delineated, right? Okay. Thank you. I have no further questions. I have one. I have one more. I have one more question. For okay. And did the neighbor need a permit to do that work? If in fact it was the neighbor who did that work? You know? Whoever did that work would have needed a, a hydraulic project approval and city permits. Do they need a permit to do, excuse me, do they need a permit to do work in the buffer, in the wetland buffer? That would be regulated by the local government. Okay. And that was two questions. Sorry. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much. Mr. Fisher, thank you for joining us virtually and thank you for your testimony. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Ms. Robson, next witness. Um, I'm going to call Mr. Bredberg. Excellent. And similarly, he'll be doing a narrative presentation. Sir, if I could ask you, please, when you're ready to state and spell your name, give me your the credentials I should identify you with in the findings and then allow me to swear you in. I'm Anthony J. Bredberg, 3303 43rd Street. Gig Harbor is my residence here in the U.S. Uh, I'm a forensic agronomist. Thank you, sir. And if I may, do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. I do. I thank you and go ahead. I'm not sure where to begin, but I'll try and get done uh, as quickly as I can. This is very complicated. The I need to go through the manuals. I need to go through the reports. And some of the first things I'm going to do is just get back on. The, there sounds like there's two issues. And there's only really one issue that I think the city has said, they agree that these wetlands were unintentionally created. And so the only question is, were they created by the road construction? And so with that in mind, we only have one simple question, did road construction create this wetlands? And the answer is yes. They had an old road, well, not an old road. They did the timber subdivision and they did not put enough detention. And they dumped the water into the ravine, which I'll get into in greater detail. And they had to come back and retrofit, retrofit the stormwater system from the road construction with a huge detention vault. And that detention vault is part of the road construction. It's a retrofit. And in the process of building that vault, it created the wetlands. 
And it was all unintentional. So why don't we call up uh, Exhibit 2A, page E10. I'm going to just go through some the city's, my notes on the city's uh, June 6, 2023. I don't understand what E10 is. It is item page 9 of 243. It's the city of Kirkland's June 6, 2023 letter. So you mean the the uh, the decision that was appealed from? Yes, yeah. please. It should be it right here. After the staff report. You want to go up one, one more page up. Now, it's the first paragraph. It talks August 18th, 2020 watershed company report, delineation report. I will get into that a little later when I get into my report that uh, we've worked on. We've worked together in the city of Kirkland before in this similar situation where the watershed company delineated a non-regulated wetland as regulated. We met on site and came to agreement and it was agreed upon. It was not regulated. And what I'm establishing from that point is there's precedent for what's happening here to be, have a peer review to look at the documentation. And as we go down to the second paragraph, the city carefully considered and evaluated the BNA Inc report um, but there was no peer review of it. No expert witnesses come forward to dispute my report. And getting back, I will go through my credentials. I haven't done that yet. Um, 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, 45 years ago, I was teaching basic hydric soils to college freshmen 45 years ago. I've been at this a long time. Uh, I've been working here in the Seattle area since 1990. I was here at the beginning. I was working with the legislature when they passed the rules of exempting uh, wetlands unintentionally created by road construction. That was done in 91, I believe, and then they backdated it to July 1990. And that was all part of the whole new wetland program here in 1990. And the 87 manual came in. But moving on with the credentials, uh, I'm a soil scientist, geomorphologist, expert in soil water, background in soil physics. And so be lacking any peer review, I have to start at the basis. I'm an expert on the 87 manual and on the wetlands. I work around the world, uh, 4,000 approved projects. Uh, nobody can touch my credentials. 
in terms of wetlands, wetland testimony, and being able to put this whole package together. And that's why I call myself a forensic agronomist. I'm an expert in plants, soils, and soil water. And I have the ability to go back in time and reevaluate and evaluate things back to when they happened. And I have a history of doing that. And I don't need to go through my resume. I have an examples in here of uh, radiocarbon 14 dating and so forth, working on various projects. Uh, currently, I need to be down next Monday. I'll be signing contracts down out of a Mexico office. I'm working with the university as well as a museum. And uh, so that's my basic credentials. So moving back, coming full circle, there was no, nobody has refuted my report. There's been no expert, no peer review, and nobody's testified here with any credentials to refute my report. And it is accurate and stand on its own. We have um, other people coming in that are going to back it up. Moving on down to the DOE report at the bottom of the page, DOE's response to the city. Now, there was a there was an email. Do you, could you call that up, Ms. Robeson? The email to the city that the Department of Ecology warned the city about me. And this gets to item number four of the appeal. And part of the item number four is I'm treated differently. There's a prejudice against me. You want me to call it up now? Yes, please. It's our exhibit, our Bates number, A000257. In Exhibit 4, two five seven. I think you just passed it. That's it, right there. It's also in the record at two thirty one. It's in there several times. If we'll scroll down a little, please. Okay, the paragraph beginning, ecology management has established a protocol ecology staff are required to follow when conducting business with Mr. Bredberg, more specifically to ensure that ecology staff can operate in a civil and safe environment. We are prohibited from working directly with Mr. Bredberg in the field. Now, I take professional offense to that. And the Robesons, my clients came to me and asked me about that. And they asked the city about that, as I recall, and were directed to see, to talk to Mr. Molstad. Mr. Molstad directed the city or directed the Robesons, my client, to contact his supervisor. And there came forth to them a 2014 letter if you go up a page to 255 you'll find the letter right there now right there. so I'll, I'll just go ahead and read this and when we talk about me being treated differently you're not going to read the whole letter right uh please, please don't i won't we, know, we don't have enough time i, I I've, I've already read it so. you read it okay yes. that's good enough and so I've never threatened Department of Ecology, never have, 
And it says, I call this Paul Anderson a liar. Well, he got fired. We caught him falsifying field data. And the he had three other compadres in DOE. They all did a cover-up. Senator Jan Angel caught on to it. Professor Yee's letter, he was part of that. He, he watched it, witnessed the whole thing. And so they're telling people for some reason about some kind of danger or hazard. The only hazard is they have to tell the truth about what they're doing. And this comes full circle. There are no expert witnesses defending any of the work at the city. And we're just having lay people stating that my work is wrong. And this is, I'm being treated differently. And I've never been to a hearing before where no experts showed up to contradict my information. So that's item number four, and I don't want to go into it anymore. It's, I've been dealing with this for since 2014. Wow, yeah. And so anyway, thank you. Let's move on to, so there were two, three, what, three questions asked to DOE. And one of the questions to DOE was, there a wetland prior to 1990? Well, that's the wrong question. And yes, there was a wetland prior to 1990. And I will get into the pictures, the evidence. And prior to 1990, there was a wetland. And there was a spring, a seep. And there may or may not have been a stream. We can, I will get into that geomorphically. But in 1983, the uh, King County went in. They identified the problem, put in the drainage system, and fixed it. If there was any stream that went away, they tapped into the seep. It's on the engineering plans. So there was a wetland prior to 82, but there was no wetland between 83 and 95. And I choose 95 just as because that's I've interviewed the, the owners and they don't know what it was like after 95. And then around 2005, for some reason, they couldn't get the big trucks in there to service the vaults. So something happened after 95. It got wet. For 20 years, the public public works were servicing those vaults every two years per Miss Kelly's testimony. Then so for some reason, 2005, it got too wet. They couldn't get in there. So all of these evidences come together along with my knowledge of geomorphology, soils, soil water movement to provide the information along with supporting evidence from two other experts that are soil scientists and a professional engineer and expert in ge ge uh, geology. Now, Mr. Mr. Uh, Larry, Mr. Lawrence testified there's a stream out there today, and we went through all those pictures, and we'll all address this while it's fresh on our mind. And so in 2000, in 1983, they completely graded the ravine. They dug deep ditches, they deep excavations, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 feet. Those pipes were 85 feet long, 12 feet in the ground, massive excavation. And that was the line of questioning on Mr. Lawrence, where is the stream? And he said it went into the underground pipe. So in 1983, there was no stream. It all got piped. Any stream that is out there today, which is the, and I'll get into the watershed report, 
did not use the city's definition of a stream. They used the ordinary high watermark definition, which we'll get into. So as it goes into the history, we come to a huge body of knowledge, and it's going to take me a while to get through this. And I'll be coming full circle as I get through the, the basics. So why don't we call up... Madam Hearing Examiner, the city just objects to the relevance of this testimony. I think we've identified that the question is whether or not the wetland and stream were created by the construction of a road, street, or highway. And I don't know why challenging whether or not this is a wetland um, is going is, is valuable. We've agreed it's a wetland. Mr. Fredberg, could you speak to that? The question is, when was the wetland created? We've stipulated that it could be after July 1990. That's the only issue in this case. Um, so... If it's before July 1, 1990, the city's wetland determination stands because it was in existence as of July 1, 1990. If it's after July 1, 1990, then the question is whether or not it's the result of the construction of a road, street, or highway. And I really would like to potentially narrow the issue so we can just focus on what the real issue is. That's. I would also like to, to focus on the actual question of the appeal was, if the wetland was created by construction of a road or highway. Okay. And is that where you're going? Yes, can that's you, what I was just going to get into. But there is all with a sort of a shortcut Sorry. through the backstory. Not and tell the whole story. It's, these are very complicated for the lack of any expert review. I have to present all the review for the examiner to understand. I have people backing me up and this is it's not rocket science. Soil physics is pretty difficult. But there's a second issue here that was unknown to me until just before I, I wrote my addendum. It came of, I was, it was the Hooper, the Hooper letter, the redacted Hooper letter from the county. I saw that redaction back in February, March. I always wondered what it was. Well, that's a smoking gun. And that talks about what was there in 1982. The county identified it. The county identified the stream, and they fixed it. And the redaction was brilliant. I didn't understand the redactions until I looked at it, and I go, my gosh, here's the smoking gun, the literal smoking gun, figurative, that the county saw the problem, fixed the problem. And here today, the property was dry in 1983. And because it was dry in 1983, that's what's called normal circumstances. It opens a whole new window that there is no wetland period. It doesn't matter. There's no jurisdictional wetland under the 1987 manual. Objection. We've already determined that there is a wetland. This issue is not about whether there is a wetland. Right. There is no wetland under the 1987 manual. The city code uses the 1987 manual. And following the 1987 manual, with seeing the Hooper document, it is clear a whole new avenue using the 87 manual is called normal circumstances. Objection. Um, if the testimony is going to change, um, which Mr. Bradberg has already changed his opinion a couple times, and it appears he, he wants to change it today to say there's no wetland, then I ask for a continuance of the hearing 
a copy of his report and we can check that out. Madam Examiner, my report was filed on the 24th on the deadline. This city has it. The city's been presenting that over and over again, and we can go to that and let's go through that report that they, this, the lay people, the staff sat and reviewed my report, and that would be the addendum I prepared. And let's get- That wasn't prepared on the 24th. That came later. The 27th, uh, I think. It's dated the 27th. It was in the exhibits as I, I put it in the exhibits, I'm sure. Let's pull it it's up. It's dated see. October 23rd. And Exhibit 000163 of ours. Sorry, that's page, bytes, bytes number in our Exhibit 2A. And the conclusion of that report reads, the installation of the stormwater vault to handle road runoff created the wetland condition observed after the 90s, which was after July 1990, concluding the wetland was created after 1990 by road construction and as such is not regulated. There is nothing in that opinion that says there is no wetland. So I don't want to spend much time on objections, but I also don't want to spend a lot of time on testimony that is outside the scope of the appeal and outside the issue under consideration, which is there is a wetland now. Everybody agrees that there's a delineated wetland on the property. And it sounds like Mr. Bredberg is now saying it shouldn't be considered a wetland based on the city's city, use of the city code. Manual. The city uses a 1987 federal manual. It requires normal circumstances. And that Hooper doc redacted document that I finally surfaced, unredacted, shows that what's called normal circumstances in the manual, that's the date we look at. 1983, what were the conditions in 1983? And when we observe the conditions in 1983, everything after that has to be fixed. Why, why does the one date constitute normal circumstances? Normal circumstances in the manual. So I know we had a wetland prior to 1983. May or may not have been a stream. And so the county, the Hooper document, the Hooper letter documents that. Then in 1983, with the pictures and the county pictures from 1982, there's water running through there. They fixed it. It was all gone. It was dry in 83. So if we go out there today and fix that drainage system back to what it was in 83, that would be what we need to evaluate the property under today. Why would 1983 be the one date that's relevant? Ah, in the federal manual, it's a long process, and I talk about it in my report, that normal circumstances, the federal manual is written if somebody goes out there and drains a wetland illegally without the benefit of a permit, that does that's illegal. That is not normal circumstances. So if I go out to a drained wetland, I have to establish normal circumstances because if it's drained, I can go write a report and say it's not a wetland. But I have to go back in time to where before it was drained. And there's a whole process in the manual that you go back in time and they say this was drained illegally. It used to be a wetland. And that's what's called normal circumstances. 
And everything we do in the manual, that's the base. Your Honor. I'm not tracking. Yeah. Uh, can I vote dire the witness? Mr. Bredberg, are you a hydrologist? No. Are you a geotech expert? No. Are you a professional engineer? No. Are you an engineer at all? No. Are you well, licensed? Pardon, pardon. Yes, I am. A, I have engineering background. I have taken engineering classes and I do. Uh, I'm an expert on soil water drainage. I've been doing that close to 60 years. Are you licensed to delineate wetlands in the state of Washington? Nobody is. Does that mean no, you are not? That's like asking me if I stopped being my wife yesterday. Nobody in the state of Washington is licensed to delineate wetlands. The city has qualifications for who can delineate a wetland. Interesting. So I was asking the questions I was asking in the nature of trying to get to an offer of proof about how the normal circumstances is relevant to the existence of the wetland that's on the property today. I have your report. Uh, in the record, I have read it. I I, I agree with Miss Kroll that 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 this line of testimony is outside the scope of the question, which is is that wetland that exists today the result of road construction? Okay, if that's the one question we're down to, then let's move this ahead. Can we go to that question? Absolutely. Ms. Carl, does that, I mean, I feel like that's going to, that's the point. That's the question we want to yes, answer. Th so. I mean, that that is a factual question that this witness can testify yes. to. Let's do I, that. I, I, I'm comfortable about that on my voir dire. Thank you. Okay. That's, that's where I was hoping we were going to go. So let's just. Yes. And it's complicated. And I work in many dimensions. The biologist, which I'm a biologist, I've got uh many 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 hours of biology i'm a plant physiologist i'm a botanist uh soil scientist soil classifier and so i'm a biologist and most of the people doing this work the biologists are fish and wildlife marine biologists and such and most of the wetland work is done in two dimensionals with a map inside and out and i operate as soil classifier in three dimensions we go with depth so when I see that topography, I think sink in three dimensions. When I look at these figures, I have to testify in three dimensions. And then I go to the fourth dimension, which is what we're dealing with here today, is time. When did this wetland get created? When was there a wetland? When was there not a wetland? And what made the wetland? Did the road construction make it? And that is looking at what's going on in the soils and what happens to soils over time. So let's go to the one pick. I have the one exhibit in the addendum that is the 24 by 36 sheet with the pictures attached to it. Can you, this, you know which document you mean? I don't have my laptop. Well, 
while you're looking up that exhibit, it would be in the addendum. We'll keep going up, up. It would be like page 15 or something. In Is the this the one with the photographs, AJ? The big one with the little pictures on it. Page 183. I was unsure of today's testimony. 2E, under 2E, oh, 2A, and it's A000183. That one right there. Can you flip it sideways? Give me just a second, please. Very good, thank you. Is there a particular part we should zoom in on to start? Okay, let's zoom in on the the county in the red, this the red print that says county right there. Oh yeah. See where the arrow goes. Okay. Follow that to the end of that little arrow. It says right there that confirms there was a seep, a spring, a little wetland there in 1982, 1983. And the note says the, what does that note say? Uh, new drains installed to collect water and it dumps it down. So if you, the double move, give us a slide to the left. Other way, that's slide. Okay, keep going a little bit more. There we go, perfect. Now slide it up to the picture. Nope, the other way. That's no, straight up, take it up. Now that's down. There you go, up, up, up. Okay, that picture, zoom in on that. It's already hard to make out. Well, that's terrible. That was the picture. That's the picture with the water coming out of the pipe in the side of the hill. Okay, I can make it out. And so go ahead and slide it down. This arrow, where those two lines come together, that should go over to the other line. So that is the original work in 83. They tapped into the seep and they brought it down and put it in the pipe. And they dried out the ravine. And other than that, oh, that in 19, the 1968 or one of the other figures showed the same seep in the same location, more or less. And it was there. And they went in, tapped into it, drained it. We have the pipe that comes out of it, matches the drawing. I did this in kind of a rush a couple of days before. And so a couple of my lines need to be shifted over. So what this means is... 
I have to establish that this was dry, and then when did it become wet, and why? So we've we're we're all in agreement that this ravine was dry at one time prior to 1990. Is is that that's what I I'm assuming I'm answering? That is incorrect, based on the testimony of the city's witnesses. I thought I had direction here that. The city, my understanding is the city isn't saying when it originated. They aren't trying to identify, they aren't giving the date. They don't know when it became wet. They don't know when it was dry. They're saying it was there after a certain point. Okay. And I thought I was directed to give testimony that it was created by road construction. Well, and that's the only if, issue. If you, if, you can, if you can show that it was created by road construction, well, that's I can what we would like. Evidence. But if the road constructed... If the wetland was created before 1990, it's a regulated wetland. So I have to establish the date that it was dry and the date at which it was not dry. And okay, so are you, saying, I, that, are you saying that this is when it was dry? 80, 82, 83? 83, it was, 82 it was wet, 83 it was dry. 83, all right. And the city's question to the DOE was, was it wet before 1990? Of course, the answer is yes. In 82, those seeps and springs were there. 83, they typed, piped into them and they channeled them and controlled them. And the streams per, we looked at those, we don't need, I don't need to look at those pictures of the kids with the, uh, all the excavation, any stream was wiped out. And so any stream that shows up today came up after 1983. So the question is, the streams aren't natural. They have formed since for whatever reason. And the DOE letter talks about 2017, 2018 working out on the site. I saw the same thing with that 2017, 2018 air photo. There was fresh work. And that uh, trash rack was installed. A ditch was dug. Rock riprap was put in around 2017, 2018. And the city denies that they did that. So it's just... There's, there's, they say there's no record of it, which is fishy. And that gets into the issue of the, if somebody was out there working 2017, 18, they're working in a buffer, a purported stream, they needed permits. That's what Mr. Fisher was trying to talk about. And so I'd like to see who did the work, when the work was done, and the neighbors. Objection. This line of testimony has nothing to do with whether or not the uh, wetland was created by the construction of a road, street, or highway. We are honing in. Well, yes, it does. Because maybe if the city recognized it was a non-regulated wetland 2017-2018 and did not do any studies or permits, that makes the whole testimony here today moot. Objection. Well, let me let me just ask: Are you planning to prove that the city did this work, or are you just going to allege that the city did? This well, work? we will get that down the road. 
I mean, I don't have the evidence right now. I've just, we, we have documents coming to on two days. We have more documents coming. We'll see what those documents show us. And that's why this is complicated. It's, and I started at the beginning, go to the end. So I thought now I have to establish when the property became wet. We'd really like to know when the road that allegedly caused the wetland was built. Okay. Yeah. So the road, the road was part of the timber. Is it timberland? Timberwood. Timberwood drainage system. They dumped the water over the hill. And if you look up there, number four in that drawing, that was the original dumping ground. And there's right there, perfect. And you follow, not that one. You were go back. Yep, both of those. If you follow those red arrows up to the picture, there's a huge erosion in there. And these, this didn't get saved at a, uh, enough scale to get it clean. The resolution's pretty hard to see. Yeah, yeah it's the resolution got that got saved at a lower resolution. So there's huge erosions, and that's where Timberwood's original drainage dumped out. There was, that's a glacial meltwater channel. Glacial meltwater channels have sand bottoms. And no stream ever flowed through there because the water went subsurface. It infiltrated. The glaciers went through here 18,000 years ago. If we had a natural stream flowing down that ravine, it would have been a V-shaped ravine. Instead, it was, it's U-shaped. It was U-shaped then. So they took the timber wood drainage off the roads, the road runoff, dumped it into the ravine, and it made a heck of a mess. And there are letters from the King County Public Works warning about the children playing and so forth. And I don't need to pull those up. You've read those. And so that was brand new. That was caused by the point discharge of the road runoff. So to fix the problem, King County did an after-the-fact stormwater detention retention system to capture the road runoff. And they went in, installed that timberwood drainage fix to manage the stormwater runoff from the road. It's road runoff. It's an extension of fixing the road. The road created a problem. Road runoff created a problem. They went in, installed a storm drain system to fix the problem. And so in the process of fixing that problem, it was done with the benefit of a permit in 1983, and they wiped out a wetland. If there was a stream, they wiped out the stream, and it was all legal. That's the normal circumstances. So the fact that there may have been a stream there in the past or a wetland in the past is moot. It doesn't matter. It, they were all wiped out. And that's the timeline. So we established in 83, the road system did a fix, put a stormwater vault to handle road runoff as part of road construction. And that's what the road, that's from road construction. Now, the wetland took 20 years to show up. And this is where we get into soil physics. These are silty soils and sandy soils. They're sandy soils on the surface, but they're underlain by silts. Water travels subsurface. And as it moves subsurface, it moves to the pores. And it moves slowly. And when we look at those old pictures from 83, 
those side banks are bone dry. And those were shot in April. Those are April in Seattle is wet. And we're still dry on the sides of those banks. We had one seat back then. It shows up on the engineer drawings. And it shows up with that one pipe with the water coming out. And that tells me we had one single seep and they controlled it. And the rest of the side of those ravines were bone dry and they stayed dry until around 2005. In 2005, for some reason, they could not get their trucks back in there. And this is just one of many things. So the public works had to go in, add to the gravel and upgrade that area. Now, Mr. Fisher testified on something a little different than I thought that in 2005, when they built, rebuilt the road, if you look at the road, it can back up the water. They drove around in there. They compacted the soils that could have created the wetland as well, building that driveway to access the road to the, uh, detention pond. But it's other than that, in my report, I talk about those side hill seeps did not start running water until after 1995, which is just a random date. And I know that because I'm an investigator. And I work with this, thousands of projects. I meet people. I meet old farmers, 80, 85 years old. I put them in the pickup truck, drive around the farm. I interview them. What's this? Where's this? Where's your drainage? What did it used to look like? And I did that with the Robesons. What was here? What was there? What did it look like? What are these pictures like? And they told me a number of critical things. One, they they talked. This was 40 years ago. Picking their brains what happened 30 and 40 years ago. Objection, Your Honor. I don't think this has anything to do with how the construction of a road, street, or highway might have created this wetland. I'm going to note your objection, but I'm going to hear uh, Mr. Okay. on this point. We've established the fact that, okay, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, just I'm sorry. I, again, uh, my mind runs a little, my mouth runs a little, my mind runs fast too. You want to stick to the question. Yes, thank you. So with regard to the objection, I have to establish that these wetlands were created after 1990. And that's our question. I've established the fact that a stormwater vault was installed as part of road construction. And so how could that construction of 1983 show up after 20 years later as a wetland? And that's where I have to get to. It's complicated. And so it's, it's a, it's a mystery of how to do this. I have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And as you can well aware, I could talk for days on all the pieces of the puzzle, and we're going to shorten it up. So in interviewing the Robesons, they were down there in the early 90s. It was dry. How dry? Well, this side dry. And they will testify, and you can ask them about it. And so the, the Hooper letter said it was wet. There was a stream. They fixed it in 83. The ravine was bone dry. Now the question comes how can we get a wetland show up 20 years later? And that's where I was talking about the soil physics. Water is moving through the soil all different directions, and it takes the path of least resistance. And of course, water moves downhill, it's pulled by gravity. And so 
at the time they did that construction, we had no seeps in 1983. If we had seeps on the sides of those ravines, they would have been wet. So in 1983, the wet time of the year, it's even raining, and there's going to be surficial water in the uh, soil. We still didn't have any seeps on the sides of those ravines. And they should have been there. So in 1983, we had no seeps. When I go out there today, 40 years later, there are seeps on the sides of the ravines. Now, when we look at soils, the inside of that ravine was capped with silts. The bottom had sand and the sides had one kind of silt. It's an old lake bed sediment. This goes back to understanding geomorphology and soils. This is part of a giant lake that the Puget Sound, Seattle, was part of a giant lake. And you go all around Puget Sound at certain elevations, we have lake bed sediments that are 100 feet thick. For, from, for tens of thousands of years, the glaciers melted, the glacial flower washed into the Puget Sound, and there are huge areas of, of nothing but silt, no rocks. You'll find a, a, a rock or boulder occasionally that rafted in on a piece of a ice piece of a glacier broke off. So this property is sitting in that basin and we have lake bed sediments on the sides and those lake bed sediments are firm. And so, and they have cracks in them and there are sand lenses. This is a very strange piece of property in terms of it's not uniform like other parts of the Puget Sound where the lake bed sediments are nearly impermeable. So as water is moving Previously, in the 1980s, 1990s, it's going one direction away from that ravine. But as the water is moving, it carries little silt particles with us, with it, and it plugs up its outlets. And then it gets little dams, and this is microscopic. And then it starts heading the other directions, and this takes decades. And so by the year 2000, it found its way to where that cut. The cut they did in 1983 opened up the venue, the avenue for the water after 20 years to find a path of least resistance and start dumping into the ravine. Now, that cut was done when they put the stormwater vault in. The stormwater vault is part of road construction, clearly. And the only reason the vault is there is to handle the stormwater from the road. The stormwater vault should have been installed when they built the road. And this is similar to if somebody builds a road, takes a roadside ditch and dumps on somebody's property, and you collect all that roadside ditch runoff water and dump it onto somebody's property, there's no pond, there's no dam, but the concentration of water onto somebody's property creates a wetland. And this gets into the DOE letter that says the only way we could have a wetland created by a road is with impoundment. There's many ways you can create a wetland with road construction. I look along the sides of the interstate highways, they're dug through uplands and there are the side hills where they've cut, there's water seeping out, there's cattails. They get worse over time because the water finds its way, it pops out with the path of least resistance. And as the water's popping out on the side of the ravine, it has free fall. It can clean itself a path and the water then keeps getting more and more and more as water finds its path. 60 years ago, 50 years ago, as a child on the farm laying drain tile, 
it would take a year or two for the drain tile to work in ag drainage. I've had ag engineering and drainage. And you put the drain tile in, it takes a while for the soil pores for the water to find its way to the path of least resistance. And so because of the interviews, knowing this property was bone dry, that ravine was dry for the 1983 photos, and then following it up with people that were camping down there and living there and knew it well, and then stopped going down there. And then when Public Works comes in and says in 2005, all of a sudden we have a problem, our trucks are getting stuck. We have to go put gravel roads in. Our trucks can't access it anymore. Something's happened. And that is the, all that evidence goes into the fact of how I, as an expert, geomorphologist, soil classifier, soil scientist, expert in soil water movement, soil drainage, can testify here today, and it comes full circle, that that's the, what's called the best available science. And there's nobody, the DOE letter did not address any of these issues, and they missed some of them. And they're biologists, and that's just what they do. And our public works people testified, and they're not experts on this. And people operate in what's called existing conditions. And this is why I go back to the federal manual. If you look at the 1987 manual, existing conditions is not referenced once. Normal circumstances is referenced. And that's why when we go to the DOE, I got a kick out of DOE with their uh, their little the the memorandum they said the state law defines a wetland that the wetlands were created by road a wetland created after 1991 by road construction. If you look at the reference in the DOE letter, DOE has changed that. A wetland that was created by road construction after 1991. They flipped them. So all of a sudden, after 1991, they can put the date of the road was constructed in 91. And if there's a wetland, it's regulated. Rather than having to go back in time and determine normal circumstances. When was the property dry? It was dry in 83. We know that by those pictures. When did it become wet? Well, it's wet today. I would say it was wet in 2005. What Was it wet in 1995? No. And the Robesons will have to get up and testify. This their experience. They were there. I wasn't. All I can do is look at the photos and use my knowledge of soil water movement and how it moves. And you help me understand why the dry conditions created by the excavation are normal circumstances instead of the wet conditions prior to the excavation. The wet conditions prior to the excavation, those were normal circumstances until they did the drainage. Once you go in and drain the system with the benefit of a permit, and that's what's in the federal registry in the manual, and that's why they talk about normal circumstances. It was legally drained. The farmers, prior converted farmland, farmers go out there, they put in drain tile. It was all done legally. It was done with the benefit of a permit. It was done before the need of a permit. So you have an old wetland that's now drained. That's the normal circumstances. 
We have the same thing as a farmer's field, a huge wetland that they drain tile and farm the heck out of it, and it's dry now. And it's not a wetland anymore, legally. We have the same circumstances. That property was drained when it was legal. If they went out there today and did the same thing without the benefit of a permit, the normal circumstances would be a wetland. And that's why I'm getting into the manual and normal circumstances. And prior to 82, there were wetlands, but it was legally drained. And in the manuals, in the federal registry, it establishes normal circumstances. And it's not called the new normal. People try and reference new normal. But that's not referenced in the manuals either. It's normal circumstances. So we established 1983 as a reference date. It was dry, very clearly. And then now we have to decide when did it become wet. I, I just, there's so much information. I need to get into the record because if this goes to appeal, the only thing that goes forward is the record. And I have huge reports and just, I want to get it on the record. I wanted to go through all my reports to put the whole package together, but I just, I'm done. I mean, I don't think I have any more unless you have any more questions. Let me ask this. Um, is the city, the city previously objected to the uh, October 27th report um, saying it was late. Um, at the beginning of the hearing, I didn't fully address the discussions that we had at the pre-hearing conference, which included the fact that uh, this is an open record hearing. New evidence, even if it's previously undisclosed, can be admitted up to the close of the hearing. And if any evidence is disclosed after the initial disclosure deadline of October 24 and it causes undue surprise, the other party would have the chance to respond. So I, at the beginning of the hearing, I, I overruled your request to strike that document and didn't follow through and say, you will have a chance uh, to respond to the surprise of the document. So I'm sorry that I made you wait hours to hear that assurance. Um, I, I was thinking that you knew that, but I, I didn't say it out loud. So I'm sorry about that. Excuse me, Madam Examiner. Mm. Um, what October 27th? document it's, are you referring it's to the document that was just submitted on uh, in your late disclosure packet okay but it's not mr bradbrook's addendum it's it's the late disclosure packet that she objected to so the exhibit 10 that came after everything else so that's the document i'm i'm offering her a chance to be surprised by and respond to that said, I want to ask, aside from that objection to that exhibit, was the city planning to object to any of the other exhibits that were offered by appellants? No. Okay. With that, Mr. Bedberg, uh, the, your full reports are, I have no reason to exclude them, although I seriously wonder how that patent information and the Mexican tsunami report are relevant to this property. Uh, if the city is not objecting to them, then I don't have a reason to, except for relevance, to exclude them. The city um, knows that during the hearing, examiner hearing, um, uh, some hearsay may come in. Uh, there's relevance. I think um, we have narrowed the issue for the hearing examiner, and you can use your discretion to consider 
the relevance of every document submitted before you. We only moved to strike those things which were um, appeared to be withheld, uh, appeared to be based upon surprise. Um, we objected to those and moved to strike. Uh, but as far as everything coming in, you can deny the city's motion to strike and give what weight to those documents that came in that they're entitled to. Okay. And I really appreciate that's a really reasonable approach for the city to take um, to trust that I am capable of assigning appropriate weight and credibility to all the documents. It's easier, especially because of the way they are presented, kind of all mingled in together for me not to, I would literally have to go through and strike page by page uh, out of the 700 pages. And that would, that would take 20 pages just to do. So it's easier to let everything in. And so, but this is a long way of saying, Mr. Bredberg, your full reports are going to be in the record. So you need not offer testimony about the full reports because the documents themselves are going to be in the record. Thank you. So sorry, that took a long time to yeah. say, but I'm just telling you they are in. With regards to my patents, those are mechanical patents, mechanical engineering patents. Mm -hmm. They, they, there's lots of MDs, lots of all these different people in the world. The people that hold patents are a unique bunch. Their minds operate in a unique way. And it's not only the patents, but they're water patents. They're sprinkler patents. Has to do with water movement in the soil. Got it. And I, I understood. You were, you were demonstrating your credentials. You were demonstrating your background. And it's specific to this project because my background is in water and the mechanics of water, how it moves through the soil. And it works at many levels because the, the sprinklers have nozzles and there's internal movement and water moves yeah. in very ways. And that's the key to why these wetlands show up 20 years later. Got it. Well, I just want you to, um, if, if the city isn't going to object, I am not going to uh, strike any of your offerings. So they they are going to be, your full reports are going to be in the record. Thank you. Yes. So you, you had kind of come to a resting point. Where were you going from there, sir? I don't know where I'm going right here. It's very interesting to testify when there's no opposing witnesses to talk about. Their reports are, mm. the reports did not follow the manuals. And what's important is they did not follow the manual. They did not follow normal circumstances. So what I'm testified and wanted to testify with, with the, the undue surprise of getting the Hooper document showing that that the normal circumstances is established in 1983, none of those three wetland reports followed the manuals and established normal circumstances. All three of those wetland reports are wrong. According to the 1987 manual, there is no wetland on the property. The normal, the task, they have to evaluate that property based on normal circumstances and the fact that those drainage systems are not working properly. And the storm drain system is working properly, but the, the they put side pipes right there. You can see the county drained the seep. Seep is a source of ditch water in the red Right above that, that was a seep. They put drains into those seeps. Those drains are not working. The seeps have come back to life. So the normal circumstances for those old little seeps, which I were told weren't very big, they're drained. They should be drained. And the 
owners or whoever has every right to go in and fix their drainage system. Maintaining your drainage is exempt under city code, Corps of Engineers, state, and everybody. So that is, it's a big, there's the picture here is very large and there's many, many side things. And going back to normal circumstances, you go fill that in. And the DOE letter, I like that. They kind of hit it too. They talked about that the, the side seeps are causing the drainage. And they're right, they are. And that's existing conditions. And talking about those side seeps and the wetlands they create, that's not normal circumstances. Normal circumstances are the sides of those hills are dry. This county went in there and dug those deep trenches, cut into the seeps, but they weren't seeps yet, and damaged these people's property. And so to, this needs to be restored to normal circumstances. Remediation needs to happen. They need to go in, fix the drainage, capture the water that is now damaging their property that was not there in 83. And once we restore this property to what the manual calls for, city code calls for, normal circumstances, then we can evaluate the wetlands. And of course, you guys, I'm not an attorney. I don't practice law. I've been, you know, it's law is very interesting. And the statute of limitations issue, I'm trying to, I just know the DOE guy talked about that there were some of the, in the, um, the, the, some of the water's coming from groundwater coming up out of the drain pipes. It's when you put in a drain pipe like that, it acts as a big French drain. Water finds its way to the French drain and follows it downhill. And I've seen sewer lines that are installed that don't have the proper things. And there's springs at the end of them, water bubbling up. So we have water coming down those lines. And they had side drains that were installed at one time. Those probably are not working. So if we went in there and the property owner is entitled to normal circumstances, if we went in there, fixed everything back to what it was, had everything working the way it was in 83, it would look like those dry pictures in 83. So on that basis, according to city code in the 87 manual, which I discovered on that redacted document, it changed changes. We have two different ways to go. One is, is created by road construction. The other is by a strict interpretation of the manual. These are not wetlands under the 87 manual. Because of normal circumstances. Because of normal circumstances. Sir, can we please focus now on the the smoking gun can can you please point out the part that was redacted that gave you this aha moment let's pull that up could we pull up the document i'd like to i'd like to have you explain to me why you feel the way you do about it it's in my it, it's go on up it's up in there keep going up is it in the same document same same report yeah same report okay. oh yeah you're doing good i'm i'm watching ms robeson that knows this stuff and the other, while you're flipping through there, if you look at the road repair, the, the service so order. So we know when we find it, what does it look like? Keep going, keep going. It's a letter, King County, Mr. Hooper, 1982, right there, I think of that. There it is. Yes. Okay. So during the form, okay, I, this is what was redacted, as I recall. During the formation of the Timberwood Plattis, of course. Let me interrupt. I'm sorry. Oh, please. Let's get the page number. What's the, what's the bait stamp page number, please? Thank you very much. Sorry to interrupt you. 
okay, a small stream flows through track B. Okay, we have a, we had a stream in 1982. It is subject, increases surface water runoff, creates six to eight foot vertical sand bank in the location shown on the map. So what they're talking about is the outlet of the stormwater pipe that's the road stormwater pipe cut into the sands of the glacial meltwater channel and basically creates a small stream. Well, it wasn't there originally. Otherwise, it would have cut a huge ravine back a thousand years ago. So that tells us there's a stream there. And it talks about the vertical sand banks, not a concern. Their concerns for the young children. But that first paragraph established there's a small stream establishes the problem they wanted to fix. You've got water flowing through that ravine. And so they had to fix it. Now, if you go down to the bottom to correct the problem, there it is. Construct a shallow trench, install perforated pipe, backfill a drainage gravel at the easterly end, and send the water on down the road. And that is a site plan that we're looking at from 83. That ended up creating the pictures of 1983 of the dry ravine. All that water was controlled. So on this document, this is the first I've seen where the actual stream, the problem is just laid out so simply. An engineer did it, and that makes sense. And that's made out so simple, they're going to fix it very quickly and easily. And it turned into the Timberwood Drainage Project. And they went in and put a major fix in, 85-foot-long pipes, 15, I think they're 15 feet underground at one end. And so that is what I saw. And I go like, here it is. This is proof. Thank you. Excuse me. If, if you wanted to see the redacted document, that would be in our exhibit eight. Bates page number A000398. So much. That was my last um, open file folder in my mind uh, regarding your testimony. Mr. Redberg, did you have other testimony? I don't believe so. Let us ask Ms. Robson. Do you, I'm sorry, I, I've asked you before, Robson or Robson? It's Robson, there's Ro no E. Right, Robson. Okay, yes. I just, I hate mispronouncing people's names. Ms. Robson, do you have other questions you want to ask of your witness? I... Don't think so. Thank you. Let's ask the city. Do you have cross-examination for this witness? Okay, let's proceed. The letter is pulled up. Great, thank you. Okay, do you, do you know who um, put in those redactions? No. Well, it wasn't us. Did you get this from the county? Ask, ask. No, we got this from the city. It was through the uh, Department of Ecology, actually, where I actually found the unredacted document very recently. This isn't even our document, so I don't know why we would redact it. I had a 
public records request on the Timberwood drainage project that I filed on, I believe it was January 19th. Um, I filed one on the 18th specific to something different and I filed one on the 19th. We don't, we don't know who did this and it's not privileged information that was redacted. So apologies if it came from us, it does not look like something we would do. Um, all right, Mr. Bradberg, um, do you feel that um, you are being treated differently in these proceedings? Yes. Why? An email, threatening email, lying about my about me from the Department of Ecology comes to the city and my clients contact the city because it's a red flag is what I see it. And the city ignored that and just sent them down the road to bring it up with ecology. That is the one thing. The other is every time I've ever, I've been submitting reports to the city of Kirkland for 30 years and the city has people on staff not on staff, but they have a third-party consultant that has always reviewed my reports. And for some reason, this report did not get a review. Furthermore, my report got sent to Department of Ecology, and the Department of Ecology was asked three questions. And in those three questions, I would think Department of Ecology would perform due diligence. And I performed due diligence. I worked hard on this project. Department of Ecology had my full report, the first one, and they did not mention it in their letter of answering those three questions. And I would have think that Department of Ecology would have listed my report in that. And I've seen this as a pattern of activity with various municipalities to ignore my report. And I get the feeling that my report was just ignored and I stand here. And what's interesting is I'm the only expert testimony. There are no other experts, uh, no other evidence about when that wetland was created. There's and three wetland are, reports. You, you are a soil scientist, correct? Amongst other things. And so, um, but I think we established you're not a hydrologist or a geotechnical engineer. You're not a professional engineer. You don't have your engineering degree and you're not licensed, correct? That's correct. All right. So we have in this file numerous reports from um, the watershed company and from ORCA and from sound consultants and from the Department of Ecology. In addition to your report, um, and uh, I don't know um, what you think the city could have done more. We have plenty of expertise in this matter. Um, so is that a question? My question I... for you is, yeah, why do you think that all that okay. expertise is not enough? You just laid it out very clearly. Orca is a surveyor. They surveyed in the data. The three reports you have and the DOE letter are all by, probably, they're by biologists and probably wildlife or fish and wildlife or marine biologists. And I have yet to see their credentials to see if they meet the criteria of the city's 
consultant list. They are PWSs. Uh, they are not soil scientists. They are not geomorphologists. None of those people are engineers or PEs. I would think that the city of something of this magnitude would bring in a professional engineer and ask them, is this, and get them on the stand, is this part of road construction? Is this a detention pond? There are hydrologists, there are geologists, there are a number of people that come in. And in my report, I think we can go specifically to my report. It's mentioned in my report that a biologist does not have the credentials to deal with this. Oh, I know, understand that's your opinion. Um, and you've you've um, you've had this opinion numerous times. Is that correct? You filed lawsuits against other professionals claiming they're disparaging you. Is that correct? No. You filed a lawsuit in federal court. It's entitled. Anthony J. Breadberg plaintiff versus Randy Middaw at Al. It was on a motion to dismiss for summary judgment in front of Judge Peckman. And she did grant the dismissal of your lawsuit. And in that lawsuit, you claimed that 27 defendants who were employees of state, local, county, and federal agencies and private organizations formed an enterprise and they worked together to discredit you and interfere with your business and earning capacity. And you sued them under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act, also known as RICO, and Washington's Criminal Profiteering Act. Did you not? Uh, I think your question was if I sued people for disparaging me. And I filed under RICO on them. I made it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and I did win a small victory there. It's my document 170 that establishes the fact that if government people, this was specifically U.S. Department of Justice filed a motion to dismiss the chief of the Army Corps of Engineers from the complaint, and they were denied that motion. And I won on that motion. And that sets this, that establishes the precedent of the Ninth Circuit that people working outside their job description have no immunity from per, personal immunity. And I did have a small victory, and I did make it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals as a pro se. I did not file on them for disparaging me. There were many other reasons, and it lasted a long time. Uh, well, I'm reading from what the judge wrote. And she said that um, plaintiff's allegations alleged interactions with defendants and they follow a similar pattern. Plaintiff who's hired by a property owner or developer to perform a wetland delineation would find no wetland or very limited wetland. Plaintiff is you. One of the defendants, one of the 27 people who work for state, local, county, um, uh, organizations would then be hired to conduct a peer review or they would evaluate plaintiff's work as part of the permitting process, which is what we have done here, evaluated your work as part of the permitting process and would find that the property at issue included a wetland and then you would bring a claim against the defendant and you claimed that the enterprise members disparaged you 
told your clients that your reviews and delineations are always incorrect and always rejected and that they would treat you and your clients differently, making your clients perform an extra level of review, refusing to follow proper manuals and sending those individuals false information. And you said that the enterprise members collaborated to support the enterprise through fraud, perjury, coercion, threats, intimidation, and other activities. Those were your pleadings. Is that and correct? I'm I'm in error. It did have disparage in there. And that that was dismissed because the judge, well, the judge, it was 28 people. I was pro se in a federal courtroom does not want 28 defendants coming before them. That was dismissed because I could not uh, identify the enterprise sufficiently. We appealed to the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco. It got accepted. We went before them, and I did win that motion against the U.S. Justice Department, and then they dismissed it, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to pro se with 28 defendants in my courtroom with the backup after COVID. And this is what the court wrote. While Mr. Bradberg contends that the defendants falsified data, his allegations suggest professional, professional disagreement, not fraud. For example, he alleges a certain defendant ignored a thin brown layer of soil clearly visible in the soil monolith on a site visit and therefore for reported false field data. Defendant Lund found wetland soils on a site where plaintiff believed there were no wetland soils. Therefore, Mr. Bredberg accused her of falsifying data to show wetland soils. These allegations fall far below the standard under the federal rules of procedure, which require a pleader of fraud to detail with particularity the time, place, and manner of each act of fraud. Ms. Krill, I'm just going to jump in. Are, are we still on the topic of what, if he feels he's being treated differently here? Yes, and that he accuses uh, local governments of fraud. He accuses local governments of failing to do proper peer review. He accuses local governments of intimidating and disparaging him. There's more lawsuits than uh, this. Excuse let me. me. Uh, would you please, would you please, you're mistestifying there. Would you please show where I have accused local governments of doing that? I'm I'm just going to, I think you. we're I'm good. I think, we're good. Yeah, I, thank I think you. I'm good. Ms. Ms. Kroll was um, trying to get some information in the record, but that's more at rebuttal than it is cross-examination. It was it was definitely in response to some of the things he said. Understood. I, Understood. And I'll I'll proceed. Okay. If we can complete cross examination. It's it seems to me, uh, Mr. Bradberg, that your entire um basis of your entire argument relies on the fact that after the drainage product project was installed, the property was completely dry. And the drainage property, uh, the drainage project took every bit of water out of the Robson's property. Is that your testimony? No. So there were still seeps and springs in the Robson's property that were not tied to that drainage project, correct? No. Tell me what wasn't. Well, 
there's soil has is very it's not as simple as dry they did not take all the water out of the soil there would be water still in the soil and so enough water was taking out that the robesons will testify they were camping down there right now it's so wet you can get you can't walk children were playing in there and Having worked, I've got 4,000 approved projects, Corps of Engineers, the cities. I don't know how many here in Kirkland I have approved. I have many, many approved projects. And so your your testimony is that there was still water in that soil, naturally occurring water in the soil on the Robson's property after the drainage project in 1983. Well, what do you complicated with soils because as a soil scientist we take it our soil we put it in the oven and heat it up to 212 degrees and burn it all out and, and evaporate it all and there is still water in that soil after you put it in the oven and bake all the water out and there's still going to be water there then there's a saturation where it's saturated so to say all the water it's it's clear that that was the the place the property was drained I see the engineering, the after-the-fact drawings. The engineered drawings show up. That was a sand ravine. The excavations along the side slopes were extensive. And the, the it's, if Mr. Ainsworth, I asked him, he's... Uh, Mr. Ainsworth is not here. I'm, I've asked you a question. Well, what is your question again? Was there still water in the soil after 1983? It's a yes or no answer. Oh, yes, of course. And water flows with gravity, correct? Not always. Does water flow to the lowest point? Not always. Okay, so that's contradictory to what you testified to. I'll let that go. Um. So now you're just arguing with me contrary to your former testimony. No, I'm not. Water Is that a question? will find the low spot, correct? I didn't say that. I'm asking you if that's true. It's complicated. There's capillary fringe, there's capillary rise. Water can actually rise through a capillary. And water can kind of go sideways under tension and pressure. Uh, water generally flows to the level of the least resistance, which means in terms of the soil, there there will be water on the soil. After the drainage, there is water in the soil, but there wasn't enough to be considered a wetland. Water can go sideways. And yes, in this case, to when you talk about the low spot, that's the area of least pressure. So as a soil physicist or knowing soil physics the way I do, when they cut the sides of the bank, those internal banks of that ravine were capped with topsoil plant roots, and that plug that acted as a dam. It was like on a house putting a, a, a stucco finish on a brick house. The stucco's on there to keep the water from it going in. So you remove the stucco finish from the side of those ravines, the water starts popping out. Okay, so we've established that um, the water still in the soil, water will move in the soil. Um, if the property to the south is developed, that will push more water towards the Robson property, potentially, correct? 
When was the property to the south developed? With regards to this in your question, as I recall, that property to the south had been developed for some time. Okay, yeah, so that was that was predated. And there was nothing, though, capping the drainage from the property to the south, correct? Oh, yes, there was. Well, the street drains went to the street to the south, but the back of the property where there had been additional springs and seeps already noted, there was nothing draining there, correct? What do you mean draining? I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. There was nothing in the residential development to the south of the property that drained that property away from the Robson property, the back of the development. The back of the development to the south, the that development, the, the roof runoff, if that was put in on splash blocks or whatever, would have infiltrated into the soil. It would have gone down subsurface until it reached a restrictive layer, which I talked about the silt layer. So all that property to the south, the water went down and moved subsurface and stayed a foot, 18 inches, 24 inches below the surface and worked its way down to the ravine and went into the sand. Now, when they went in with the excavators, they stripped off that cap of topsoil and eventually the water found its way out to the side with no topsoil to hold it in it pops out and forms a seep that we see today. And that is on top of the little, the seep that shows up on the engineering plans. Two sets of engineering plans show the same seep in the same place. And they put pipes in there and that's the pipe with the picture of the water coming out. They collected that. So it's all complicated. If you go in, you've got protection and your, your aquifers confined but as soon as you open it up, remove that cap, that silt loam cap, and change the texture, then the water starts popping out. And it may take years or decades for it to find its way. Okay. And now we've come to the point where um, you are going to testify that this is the result of a road construction. If we accept your argument, you are saying that all of the water on the Robson property is there, not from the natural drainage, not from the seeps and springs that have been documented there throughout the decades. You're claiming all of that was dried in 1983 and that the water reaching the Robson property now solely comes from road construction. The road construction includes that bulldozers we saw in the pictures, the excavator we saw in the pictures, those went in and stripped the sides of that bank. And if I, I've gone out there today and there's water seeping out and they cut down, they opened up, we call them vugs. And that is what exposed that area. And it's taken, it took 20 years for the water to find its way there. So Brian, can you please pull up exhibit page 169? What's a vug? A vug? That's my old buddy. Dick called them vugs. It seeps on the side of a hill. It's where the water will eventually find its way and pop out of the side of a hill. Okay. And 
If you strip off the protective cap of topsoil, then you open it up. 169. A169. Are you doing A for me? Sorry. Exhibit 2E. Thank you. I have it as Exhibit 2A. Okay, so um, it, that's that's the exhibit I'm looking for. If you could just turn 2E, if you could turn it around because it's upside down, sorry. We'll get to a breaking point and take a break in a little bit here. See people getting droopy. It needs to be turned one more to the right, if possible. Um, this exhibit showing um, the timberwood plat and infrastructure. Pull out a little bit. This is this is oriented to the north. Whoa. There's tract B. And the Robson property is to the east on the right. Sure. I under I recognize it. Okay. So there are 53 resident units, residential units there. And there is a large tract that is a very steep ravine. So when surface water falls on it, everything slides down into that tract. So how can you tell us that the water being directed to the Robson property via the storm vault is from road construction versus a residential subdivision with 56 homes and all of the impervious surfaces that come with those homes and a large ravine that catches water that falls from the sky. I'm confused. I don't mean, I want to make this easy and quick, and I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. Our line of questioning had to do with the fact that road construction created the wetland. And my line of answer on that was 
when they went in, they rebuilt the storm vault for the road runoff. And as a result of that construction, the wetlands were created. And how do you know they rebuilt the system only for road runoff? Because of the Hooper letter. Where does Mr. Hooper say it's for road runoff? Let's go back to that letter. And to the photographs that go with it. This is, as I said, I got up here and this is a, it's, I've spent a lot of time. It's complicated. It's not complicated. It's a factual issue, Mr. Bredberg. When 53 homes are dumping water into a ravine that flows onto the Robson property, how can you tell me that it is only road runoff? I don't need a letter from 1983. We can pull it up if you want. Are you but saying, are you saying the road runoff? created the wetlands? That's what you're saying. No. I'm saying the question before me was to prove that road construction created the wetland. And how not did road the, runoff. How did construction of a road create this runoff? Are we wanting to talk about the runoff now? or the construction, road construction and created wetlands. How is the wetlands only related to road construction? Because there is no vault that is draining only a road. The vault was not put in to drain a road. Let's go back to the engineered plans, I think. The 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 road runoff, the catch basins for the road are all dumped on to, uh, I think, number four. You go back to that picture. Okay, with no, I understand that. I don't dispute that. But what about the 53 houses? I, I think they infiltrated them, splash blocks. And none of those impervious surfaces drain to the ravine, tract B, which is the lowest point of those properties. Well, you're, is that what you're telling me? Thank you. You're on board now. And I really appreciate you understand that all that water found its way. Once they cut the cap off, there weren't any wetlands until they went and cut the cap off with the road construction. And so the added runoff from those houses went subsurface and popped out. And it took it 20 years to find its way there. With the time it takes from those lots at 31, 32, they took, they had a normal route to go, but eventually they found their way there. Okay, thank you. I have no further questions. Okay. Are we finished with this witness? Unless you want to see the Hooper letter, do you want to refer to that? He no. pulled he pulled it up. It it got mixed back up again, but we can pull well, it up. Well, if you wanted, no, I called for it again, but we'll we'll pass. We, I think we've seen enough of that one too. I've read it. And Unless I've you want to see the ravine with the kids in it again. I seen that. We'd one. like that. Yeah. yeah, they're big now. Are you finished? I, I bet you? they are. That was eighty three. Are Are you complete with your testimony? If we're done, we're done. Okay, we're done. I appreciate your testimony, sir. Thank it's you. Two twenty five. Should we take a ten minute break? Sounds good. I'd like to walk. So yeah. We'll come back at 2.35, please. Mr. Cole, kindly stop the recording. Everybody. She's very helpful. All right. We're back on the record. Appellants, are we? Did you need a few minutes? 
Ms. Robson, I'm sorry. I'm. Did you guys need a few minutes to confer? We can go back off the record if you need a few minutes. Two minutes. We'll pause. If you don't mind. I'm sorry. And then we'll... Thank you so much. All right. So I was just asked by Ms. Kroll if we, when we resume, if we resume tomorrow, will it be live or via Zoom? And I heard Zoom discussion happening over here. I want to let folks know I did honestly believe we were going to finish in one day and I scheduled myself for a hearing at 10 a.m. tomorrow because I'm silly, question mark, this is dumb. Uh, anyway, I so I don't know for sure if I'll be done in time to drive here. If I am, I can be here in person. If I'm not done in time to drive here, then I would be appearing by Zoom tomorrow at 1 p.m. So that's, I may or may not be here in person tomorrow. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. And if your witnesses are going to appear by Zoom, they, they don't care if I'm in the room or not. Okay. Um, and I, I'm sorry that I, if I'm not able to be here tomorrow, because I think you cared, but I, I will try to if my hearing is done. So uh, with that, let's proceed to the appellant's next witness. We're going to call David Kelly. Great. He's via Zoom. Mr. Kelly standing by. And he will again be doing a narrative presentation. Great. Hi, sorry, this is, I'm figuring this out. Yes. No, you're good. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Yes. And I'm, I'm at my home COVID studio, so I don't know what the internet's going to do, but we'll see. Okay. We can hear you just fine. Sure. If I could ask you to please state and spell your name for the record, and then allow me to swear you in. My name is David Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. Uh, that's my record. That's Thank my you very much. Okay, and uh, you are a registered soil scientist. That's correct. Okay, if I could ask you to raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. I do. Okay, Mr. Kelly, uh, Ms. Ms. Robson has indicated that you'll just be providing narrative testimony. She's not going to ask you questions. You're just going to present your testimony. Is that I can try, yeah. I, uh, to be clear, I, I actually thought I was testifying tomorrow, but um, so I don't really have a narrative per ready, but I have plenty of things to say that have to do more with what I've heard in the discussion today um, and less to do with what a jurisdictional wetland is and things like that. But let me get there. Um, first, I, I think you need to know something about my credentials. Um, you probably, I have to ask, do you have my resume? Uh, I believe I have a resume and a cv yes of course yes. yeah have, yeah right i have 45 years of experience uh as a consulting plant and soil scientist uh as an arborist uh as a biologist i've taught at the university of california at cal state university humboldt um i teach and lecture um extensively especially with um, professional groups i've actually taught wetland soil geomorphology to Fish and Wildlife Service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, to the Society for Ecological Restoration in Washington, Portland, California, um, all around. Um, I have 
I have extensive experience in that. In fact, most of the work I do now is not really in uh, wetland delineation, although I've probably done 150 wetland delineations and permittings for mitigation. I've done a huge amount of mitigation work that is to say creating compensatory wetlands for impacts to wetlands and endangered species. Um, I have worked um, all over the world. I have testified probably 200 times, including depositional testimony on and including uh, wetlands, especially wetlands. Uh, I've testified in court on wetlands issues in California, uh, South Dakota, um, Hong Kong, um, not yet in Portland, I don't believe. Oh, Utah, all over the place. Um, so I have a longstanding experience. I'm happy to go into the details of, of my work. I have a degree in zoology, a degree in botany, a master's in botany. And uh, I studied and received, uh, was advanced to candidacy for the PhD, but didn't finish the dissertation in plant, plant physiology and soils at UC Davis, uh, University of California at Davis. And uh, that I have probably 100 hours of classwork in soils and research, uh, 200 hours in plant physiology and soil si and plant science in general, um, but have started started working some 40 years ago, about early 80s, about, about 40 years ago now, um, as a consultant. And I have worked uh, extensively in California, most of the West, certainly a, a fair amount of work in Washington and Oregon um, and all around. So I'm uh, have been asked in this case to sort of do something that Mr. Bredberg had uh, mentioned, and that would do, be sort of a third-party review of his work. Uh, he asked me, and I, oh, by the way, I have visited the site. I was up there and, and actually spent a day or a part of a day with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Robson, Mr. Bredberg, walking up and down the site, looking at these features. Um, it was good to see all the diagrams on, this, on the, of the maps of the site. Uh, I'm quite familiar with it to the extent that I could be in, in a day's work. I did not do any extensive uh, excavations. Uh, we did a few soil um, surface type ex excavations to about a foot or so. Uh, I was able to observe uh, the wetland conditions out there. I was able to observe the soils conditions, certainly the vegetation. Um, I have a, a fairly broad understanding um, of the glacial geomorphology of that area and kind of understand and certainly understand the geomorphology of that particular ravine. Um, I have a, a wide knowledge of soils. Uh, I, I'm currently president of the Soil Science Society of California, Professional Soil Science Society of California. Um, I have worked on soils from Peru to Hong Kong to um, West Virginia, all around. Um, I could go on and on, but I, I'd, I'd like to finish today too, so possible. So. And happy to answer any questions about that first. Um, okay. okay. I, I don't have questions about his credentials. Does anybody else have questions about his credentials? I don't see any questions, sir. Very well. Um, now, here's there are two or three things that stand out, particularly from the testimony. I've been on the testimony since, I believe, about 10, 15 this morning, uh, listening to the hearing. And there's some questions that I think just the broad view, the extensive view of what I'm hearing is that there's some confusion in, in your hearing room about what a wetland is. There's a jurisdictional wetland, which means a wetland that is identified and, and um, 
classified by its characteristics according to that 1987 Corps of Engineers manual and another subsequent manual, the 2010 uh, guidelines. There are also, as we've seen today, those are the federal jurisdictional rules for what a wetland is, a jurisdictional wetland. We've also seen that there's state issues. The Department of Ecology is an example of they have a set of rules or guidelines for what a wetland is, um, a jurisdictional wetland. The city and counties obviously have their own sets of wetlands identification markers. Um, what is concerned to me is that um, I have to be fair to uh, Mr. Bredberg. Uh, he kept saying wetlands, wetlands, wetlands. I think if we differentiate between what a jurisdictional wetland is and a wetland, we can get through some of this time issue. In 1980. I object to the testimony regarding a jurisdictional wetland. That is um, a wetland that is um, determined by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. It's based on the fact of whether a wetland is connected somehow to waters of the United States. That's what makes it jurisdictional so that the Army Corps of Engineers will regulate it. It has nothing to do with the city's regulation of a wetland as defined by the wetland codes we use and apply. So well, that's certainly not my experience, but I, I'm happy to accept that. I don't believe that you really mean that all wetlands out there that are unconnected to other bodies of water are not wetlands. And perhaps that's what you were saying. Um, if you Excuse wish, me. I would love that's to- That's not what I said. On. Is your mic on? Yes. Okay. Excuse um, me. I would be happy to- I object to the mischaracterization of my statement. I said there's a difference between a wetland regulated in the city of Kirkland and a jurisdictional wetland, which has no meaning for the city. Jurisdictional wetland is a term used by the federal government, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and it's not an issue in this hearing. Okay. So with that, with that, distinction sir are you are you speaking about u.s army corps jurisdictional wetlands or are you talking about whether or not this wetland is regulated i can change that real quickly um a regulated wetland is different from a wetland thank you that's i think that's the distinction that that she was asking to have made yes i'm happy to do that and your regulations are what make it jurisdictional whether it's as i mentioned either at the state level at the city level the county level or federal level so a jurisdictional wetland, if you if you wish, let's confine that to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And it's really not U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. It's the Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, your state and local uh, wetland and uh, species regulations, environmental regulations. Um, so uh, I, I don't I, I believe that was sort of mischaracterizing what I was saying uh, in that objection. And I'm fine with that. I I, I want to roll with it. Okay, back in to the- In any case, today we're going to talk about what's a wetland for the city of Kirkland purposes. Yes, that's where I'm going, exactly. And right. I, I believe actually it's been fairly well established that a wetland is one that, at least for the city, um, is something that is a wetland, has been a wetland since 1990. If I'm not mistaken, the issues have become whether or not road construction led to the development of wetlands on this property. 
And I believe, and perhaps Ms. Kroll can uh, correct me if I make the mistake, but I believe that there's nothing in the regulation that says all the water of a wetland that's due to road line, road construction has to come from the road. May I ask that question? Uh, we don't really usually have witnesses asking questions of other witnesses. So well, well, you, very why well. don't you present your point of view on this and then Absolutely. we'll her, uh, respond to it. Yes, very well. Okay. Um, there's not a wetland in the state of Washington that is solely due to one source of water. The water comes from precipitation. It comes from groundwater. It comes from road construction. It comes from uh, toilets that seep into the backyards. It comes from uh, many, many sources. It's a seasonal and temporal thing. It's a, a long-term duration thing. It's a, a soil profile thing. Uh, Mr. Bradberg was entirely correct when he said that there's always going to be water in these systems. Uh, it's not that there's other waters in these systems that come from other places. And when I uh, step back and, and as I was able to by walking that property and reading these different reports and certainly listening to the testimony and discussion today, um, I look at that system in that ravine um, as a plumbed system. And that makes it easier to understand rather than talking about drainage here and drainage there and even water moving through the soil. That system was plumbed as if somebody were building a house in 1982, and then it dried up. And that was the purpose of my, is my understanding and looking at this stuff, that was the purpose of getting the water into a system that removed that water, that runoff, that drainage water from the system so that it became not of a, less of a problem. Um, I've reviewed those photos. It certainly agree that the um, kids in Labrador playing in the, in the soil was, in a dry system. It was not in a wetland. Uh, there's always going to be water, especially perhaps in April, but nevertheless, there's always going to be water in that system. If there's water now at the surface of the ground that actually creates a regulated wetland in the state of Washington or in the city of Kirkland, it's due to some other, some change that has occurred there since 1983. Now, I'm, I'm not one who can testify as to when that change or those changes occurred. What I can say is that by all accounts, there was a, that was a dry ravine. In fact, uh, to be specific geologically or geomorphically, it was a glacial meltwater channel that is, has completely dried up. At one point, that uh, ravine or that channel, that glacial meltwater channel, was formed by melting glaciers. That was the source of water. It put a big uh, slug of water down through that system uh, many times, if not a uh, hundred times, as the glaciers melted and froze and melted and froze. That erosion, glaciers are one of the major agents for soil formation and geomorphic um, landform formation. And that was how that formed. It was not formed by a typical stream. Um, I saw no evidence in there that there is a stream on the property. There may well have been a stream back when the glaciers were melting, but that was, I believe it came up in the testimony, um, the last major glacial advance was about 20,000 years ago, give or take 2,000 years. And at that point... Madam the Hearing glacier... Examiner, I, 
I object at this point. I don't know where this testimony is going. We do want to know whether or not the water in the wetland, we all agree there's a wetland, whether that water in the wetland and the stream is as a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway. And I don't think we're getting that evidence from Mr. Kelly, although I'd like to invite him to Thanksgiving and talk to him. But the the thing we need to know today is, is whether or not it's the result of construction of a road, street, or highway. Okay. So uh, Ms. Curl's just asking that, just like we asked Mr. Bredberg, we hone the testimony in on the question and the appeal, which is that the Robsons have asserted that this wetland was created as a result of road construction. And so she's she's basically asking me to tell you that that we want your testimony to go in that direction. I appreciate the focus. I'll do that. Um, here's my take on it. Um, I cannot separate the actual laying of asphalt for a roadway from the other aspects of roadway development, ditches, uh, water management systems, uh, sediment management systems generated from those roadways. I believe, as Mr. Bredberg seemed to hint, that stormwater collection as a result of a road being constructed or roads, many roads perhaps, and for that matter, subdivisions, upslope, collecting water as that water hits those areas and comes downslope is part of roadway construction. I have to assume that that's the way we proceed with this. If the roadways had not been built, for example, or the homes had not been built, or some diversion upstream had not happened, perhaps those stormwater collection systems would not be necessary. It's my understanding, again, based on just looking at hundreds of these systems uh, all over uh, the Western U.S. for sure, that you don't build a roadway without building the infrastructure to support it. And in this case, particularly, these stormwater collection systems are part of that infrastructure. I can't, if I were an engineer, I wouldn't be able to separate one from the other. I'm not an engineer. I look at it from the standpoint of soil water addition. And what I'm seeing is this is a way to manage the water that comes off of not only those roads, but everything else in the system. And by the way, precipitation. Uh, as whatever the source of water is, those systems are designed to handle it. It is my understanding, and I think the based on what I've seen uh, in the reports and in the photos, that this was a dry system. It was managing the uh, runoff from upslope roadways, as well as impermeable surfaces, upslope, et cetera. Um, and then water would be collected and no longer form those erosion channels that were, in the case of the Hooper letter, uh, he was concerned about the kids playing on the on the cut banks and things of that nature. And I'm just saying that I believe that there was some huge amount of money devoted to developing these stormwater management systems that were, if not wholly, at least partially or at least primarily, due to water coming off those impermeable surfaces upslope, basically seeing the dumping of roadway um, waters into that, the head of that ravine just upslope from the Robson, 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 I'm sorry, Robson property. 
Um, so my my thought on it is that it, it's gotten a little bit complicated in in our um, in our discussion because really what that system was was a plumb system that now accepts r- uh, runoff waters from upslope. That's as simple as it can be. A lot of that upslope runoff production is from roadways. I think there's no question that there are other sources of water that would actually impact that system or get into that system. And I think that that's the case in every one of these glacial meltwater channels, in every uh, small stream system in the system, uh, in the in the city. Uh, I don't really see a, a way to distinguish between road water, road production water or street production water uh, or and these other sources. Um, I'll leave it at that point. What I really tend to want to talk about and really thought I was going to be talking about quite a bit was whether or not this was a uh, a regulated wetland or not. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in what it does perform as a wetland there. Uh, I think that wetland has arisen since the, t- the system was uh, designed and imp- implemented back in the 80s. And I think that some things have happened since then that have actually put an increasing load on that system capacity and is not it's not able to move out all that water. So it's slowing. If you slow water down, you might be able to get a wetland at the surface. Um, I agree with Mr. Bredberg's interpretation of the daylighting, as we would call it, of the seeps in the side of the uh, hill. If those uh, soils are confining the water and you cut into them, like you cut a bank in a roadway for a roadway, if you cut into them, you release the confining pressure and a seep develops. I believe that Mr. Uh, Fisher, who mentioned the stream per se, um, and the collection, I believe that he uh, indicated that that, as he called it, a tributary, um, I don't believe it was a tributary. I want to talk about streams in a second, but I don't believe it was a tributary. I believe it was one of those areas that has not, has either become disconnected from that primary drainage system or in some way was allowed to go ahead and go down into that system, but with the idea that would be um, handled by the stormwater collection system. Um, There, I don't believe... Well, certainly in the states that I'm familiar with, California, Oregon, and Washington, that you can have a 15-foot stream. Uh, That does not make any sense to me. You may have a channel or a ditch that's been constructed, and apparently all anything on that surface in that bottom of that, that ravine that's been constructed there has been changed by new erosion. But at one point, most of that water that would have contributed to a stream would, uh, if there had been a stream there, has been confined and placed as much as 10 or 12 feet underground. I was, uh, I stood and looked into those drainage catchments and I saw and heard the the water down below moving through it at the time I was there, which was actually midsummer and this year and um, if there's any dry place on the site right now, that's as dry as it will be. And there's still water coming down through that system. I don't, I don't question that at all. But again, it was a stormwater collection system. When you say stormwater, you're saying road. You're saying road, streets, or highways. And that's, that's my interpretation of that. In terms of, and, and I'll look at some other things. When I do the mitigation type work on wetlands, in other words, when I either try to restore a native wetland or when I create another wetland, I look for sources of water. 
and I could really create a great wetland down there if you wanted me to do that as a mitigation, because there's a source of water. It's 15 feet underground for the most part. And by every definition, that doesn't meet the standard of what a wetland is. Uh, there are wetlands on the surface. They are probably like leaky plumbing is my understanding of it or my interpretation of it. Um, th this would, as Ms. Kroll suggested, sitting at a, a Thanksgiving table, it'd be fun to discuss the possibilities out there. Uh, but some of the possibilities, uh, those have nothing to do with what I'm actually talking about. What I'm seeing in there is a, a complication with um, the road that was built to as a clean-out access road from the bottom up into the system. Certainly, those retaining walls that are built there have something to do with creating a wetland condition. Those retaining walls apparently went in way post-1983, um, and they themselves are acting as catchment basins just that's their nature right there with either the riprap that you can see in the drawings, the uh, railroad ties, which I think have been removed, um, certainly the any of the infrastructure developed for catching that water. Um, those are, I, I did review the um, Department of Ecology's uh, three word response, no, no, and no. Um, I don't believe that those um, responses sufficiently covered the complexity that Mr. Bredberg kept mentioning about the nature of this problem out there, uh, particularly given that um, I don't know anything to tell you the truth about Mr. Bredberg's reputation, except having talked to him and understanding that that's a, an issue for him. What I know is that if I were in the Department of Ecology and reviewing a system like this that is at all contentious, I would have at least commissioned uh, a review of all the reports, including the Bradberg report, and some get somehow um, somebody on the stand to start talking about why this is a regulated wetland. Um, I don't believe that that has been covered, and I'd like to see, I mean, that's the kind of collegial discourse one has with one's colleagues in the wetland profession. Um, I've been a, I'm a lifetime member of the Society for Wetland Scientists. Uh, I've done everything in wetlands, including lecture on wetlands to college classes and uh, agencies, in particular the Fish and Wildlife Service, the, the Federal Fish and Wildlife Service, the Corps of Engineers. I've testified as an expert on wetlands all over the world. I've testified as an expert hired by the Corps of Engineers to testify about what a wetland is. Um, I think that there's there's some discussion that could be had that would actually clear up some of these issues, but I don't have anybody to bounce it against in, in testimony except Mr. Bredberg, who is, uh, at least in my opinion, a, a, a really world-renowned expert on these wetland issues, particularly with regard to wetlands and, and wet soils. Um, so I, that's probably the whole dump of information that I need to tie up this morning, unless there are questions. So um, uh, looking at my notes, oh, I mentioned one thing about the streams. A stream is defined by bed and bank um, configuration. Um, this may well have been considered at some point a, a water course, um, a place where water runs, but it's not necessarily a stream. I think it has, uh, it, it, there's no way that it's associated with either fish uh, passage, fish um, issues, uh, except 
in a downstream sense, and that's where the cleanouts are important because you don't want sedimentation going anywhere in that system into a natural stream system that actually has bed and bank qualities as well as uh, nesting or, or egg laying areas and things like that. So I don't see any evidence out that there's a stream out there. Uh, one could talk about water courses that becomes a regulatory issue uh, more than it is a biologic or hydrologic or geomorphic uh, issue. Um, but what I see is once you mess up a stream like that, a system like that, you it's an artificial system totally. And if it's got a leaky problem, it needs to be fixed. It would actually address a lot of the issues downstream that might have to do with sedimentation and things like that. So I'll, I'll stop with that. Thank you for that testimony. Let me ask Ms. Robson if you wanted to ask Mr. Kelly to speak to any other topics. No, okay. I think that, that we're happy with what he said. Great, today. thank you. So with no redirect or additional questions from the Robsons, let's ask the city if they have cross-examination for the witness. Yes, I do. Okay, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. And thank you, Mr. Kelly, for coming. Um, is there a reason, uh, first of all, I'd like to ask, is there a reason why you didn't prepare a written report um, to submit for today? Um. Yes, I I had uh, one job, and that was to kind of review the reports that were presented and the documents, and also um, attend the testimony and try to understand some of the issues. Um, first, I didn't do any data collection um, on the site. Um, I had to, I have reviewed some of the data collection um, records from the different reports. Um, I have not, not much to add to them. I, I find them somewhat inaccurate based on, um, well, some of the jurisdictional guidelines that the Corps of Engineers provides for what a wetland is, but that's neither here nor there in my particular um, review. Um, I was asked to make a statement about as sort of a third party, as I mentioned, the third party review of not so, only so, uh, Mr. Kelly, is it is it accurate to say that the Robsons did not ask you to prepare a written report? They did not ask me to prepare a written report. And that that's the reason why I was not given a written report before your testimony today. Is that correct? I did not write a report. Okay. Um you you went to the property one time or more than one time? I've been there once. Okay. And what was that date? I would have to look into my notes and let's say it was in August this year. Okay. So sometime uh, last summer, is that correct? That's correct. All right. And you didn't do any deep excavations. You said you excavated to about one foot. We had a spade. We dug up in places where there were um, wetland indicators of one sort or another and where there were not. Uh, looked at some of those uh, soils in particular to determine if there were long-term conditions indicating a wetland, uh, a wetland soil, a hydric soil. Um, I did. That's the, the limit of my excavation. Okay. So um, you, you then testified that in 1983, it's your opinion that the ravine, I wrote this exactly, completely dried up. Is that your opinion? 
that's probably miss um, if I said that I, I misspoke what I mean is that the the water in the ravine was completely encased in a system to remove it okay the water that was coming from the timberwood subdivision upstream correct as well as the side channels with the pipes uh, from the seeps okay so what side channels are you talking about um, if you recall, in a couple of the photos, there are uh, pipes or culvert culvert type pipes that come in to the side. Mr. Fisher referred to them as tributaries or a tributary, at least. In fact, he showed there are parallel pipes or something like that. Um, those that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about w one doesn't go in to do a system like that and leave the tap open. And so in order to make that a, uh, to meet the standards that they're talking about in that 1982 or three letter, uh, one would need to capture the water, not only from the Timberwood subdivision, but also the seeps that were perhaps coming in from the houses to the south, perhaps to the north, although I didn't see any indication of seeps from the north. Um, okay, how, so, Mr. Kelly, were you here earlier when we were showing a document that showed that there was a spring on the property? Yes. Okay. And that spring was not put into a pipe, was it? It's my understanding that's the same thing as the seeps that were put into pipes. Yes, it's the same. Oh, that That's your opinion? That's my understanding, yes. Okay. So, you, you could be wrong. Oh, of course. All right. So, um, you also said that you cannot separate the lane of a road with other development of the subdivision, the houses, um, the the water that falls and drains onto the ravine. Is that correct? Uh, well, if, if that is what was your understanding of what I said, then I again misspoke. Here's what I said. If you lay asphalt for a road, and you neglect to put in a stormwater system as part of that infrastructure to accommodate runoff from that impermeable surface, then you are not through with the construction of the road. In addition, the road, the construction of those stormwater management systems the that we've been talking about all day, those are going to handle water from the roadways. They're going to handle water from other impermeable services, they're going to handle water from precipitation. They're going to handle water from anything else. There is no uh, no way that any waters out there are due solely to run off from the roadways. Okay, I understand that. And um, is it your opinion that if any runoff from the roadway goes into this system, then that is sufficient to trigger the exception under the Washington and Kirkland definition of a regulated wetland? Well, this is where if I were working with an attorney, he or she would object to my being able to answer that question. I don't have the legal knowledge of, of those issues. I mean, I don't believe that I have enough information to um, say yes or, or no on that issue. Okay, so you're not testifying whether or not the wetland is or is not regulated. Is that correct? Uh, I'm sorry, that's completely 
that, that's just so different from the question I was just answering. I, I'm not sure. Would you, is that a separate question? It's the same question. Uh, I'm sorry. Are but, you testifying that the wetland is not regulated? I am not testifying that. No, not at all. Okay. So you are not testifying with regard to whether the wetland is or is not regulated. I'm not trying to confuse you. Is, yeah. is there a better way to ask this question? Okay. Maybe maybe you read the exception so that the language of the exception is fresh and he can All respond right. okay. to that. Okay. So Mr. Kelly, a wetland is not regulated in Washington if it comes into existence as a result of a construction of a road, street, or highway after July 1, 1990. That is my understanding, correct, yes. And are you testifying that this wetland is not regulated under that definition? It, it, to properly characterize what I'm saying, this is a wetland that has developed since it had been a dry spot. And that regulation appears to have, um, sorry, the, wet, the wetlands now meet the standard of a regulated wetland in that they have somehow arrived on the scene after the system was under normal circumstances, not a wetland, normal circumstances being the time in 1983, when the system was completed. Okay. And so your testimony is that the system is not regulated. The city cannot regulate this system. Is that what you're saying? No, I think the system is regulated because in order, I think, to do any work in that system, one would have to get a permit, as was pointed out earlier in the testimony, and that that in itself is a uh, requirement of the regulation if it's a regulated wetland. I have no further questions. Any uh, redirect? Yes, please. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> was the stormwater vault built for road water? built for the road water. So that, was it the stormwater vault built for the road water? Yeah. I, I want to say emphatically, yes. It was built as part of the construction of the roadways that were going to be generating or were already generating road runoff waters from the road. So I believe that it it, along with uh, other systems in the area, were built for handling runoff from roadways. Thank you. Is the wetland created because of the construction of the vault? At least partially it is if that vault is obstructing any of the movement subsurface um, of, of waters and allowing it to daylight at the surface. On the other hand, um, it's it was designed by every uh, indication to to take that water away and therefore not create a wetland. And whether or not it's performing that particular function well enough may be a function of age, system structure, overcapacity, various various other things. 
Okay. Is is the vault part of road construction? I think Objection. it is. Ashton answered. I'll let it, I'll, I will hear his answer. In this particular case, it, it certainly was apparently by, again, the, the letters I read and the testimony I've heard uh, built in order to handle um, increased runoff from roadway construction upslope, both south and east, sorry, west, both south and west. Okay, and what about the cuts on the side of the bank to make the wetland? Um, yeah. Um, just because of gravity and pore space, water moves through the soil. Water does not like to move through the soil laterally. If water is in the soil and is occupying pore space and is available to be pulled by gravity, into a lower place in the landscape, one can cause that by removing the soil, uh, upper part of the soil horizon, the profile, upper part of the profile, uh, and deconfining the water that is confined up till that point. And looking at uh, a lot of roadsides, that's exactly what you see. You see seeps are, uh, the vernacular here in this case is already springs, seeps are springs, coming out of what were not wetlands before, not seeps before, because the, the confining layers have been removed. Um, it's, as Mr. Bredberg kept saying, is very complicated, but one can daylight uh, subterranean water movement by removing the soil overburden. And I think that that's the case when you cut into the side of a ravine that actually might have some confining layers. So the simplest answer is, Yes, cutting into the side of the that ravine or that that meltwater channel um, could actually allow those waters to daylight and become seeps or springs. Uh, apparently, there was one there before, and that one was piped into the system as the 1983 um, or end of 1983 construction uh, finished. Okay, thank you. Um, you testified that the wetland was created by road construction, correct? It, it it certainly was uh, associated with the infrastructure that went into building that road, road system. Okay. And you testified earlier that it was not regulated, and now you just said it is? Um, I, I guess that I'm confused on my testimony if that's the case. What I'm uh, suggesting is that there was no wetland there before 1990. The regulations apparently kick in in 1990. The water that's there is a wetland that now has regulatory status. If I if I can continue that, it this is a confusing issue for me because I, I'm not sure that if you're you're going to call it a regulatory wetland, regulated wetland, that you can actually do work in it without getting a permit. Okay. And so there's there's work that's gone on in it. Again, appears to have been unpermitted. It may be not have rec been recognized as a regulated wetland per se. At this point, it does not meet the standards for the regulatory wetland situation. And so, depending on what the city and county is saying, um, there's this is a wetland that shouldn't be there. Is what is what we're really saying. 
and that that system needs to be fixed in order to remove the wetland because it's not doing its function, its role. So if the wetland was created after 1990, it is not regulated. So is this particular wetland regulated? Thank you. That clears it up. Uh, it it was this one um, apparently developed between 1983 and 1995. And therefore, it is a wetland that has been created and whatever its regulatory status is, it's still functioning as a wetland that is re representing a system that doesn't work anymore. So whether or not it's regulated per se, I, I can't really tell you. What I can say is that it's uh, got a special status that has changed since that 1983 construction. Was it created after 1990? wetland? I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say when this actually might have manifested itself. It's certainly, um, it's been now showing up for a while, but I don't know when it started. Thank you so much. That's it. All right. Let me just check with the city. Is there a recross? There is. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I'm so sorry to keep you so long. No, no. I, I just want to confirm that was the storm water vault installed for the sole purpose of only draining water from the construction of a road. Uh, I'm sure that it uh, had to take into account other waters going into that system. So no. Okay. Thank you. I have no further questions. Thank you very much. Sure. Okay. Thank you so much, Mr. Kelly, for your testimony. My pleasure. All right. Do we have another appellant witness who is ready to testify? It'll, it's going to be me for now. Okay. One second. One second, please. Guess what I'm going to ask you to do? State and spell your name for the record, and then let me swear you in. R O B S O N. Do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. I do. And I want to hear your testimony, but first I have to ask: somebody dimmed the lights? Yes. I don't feel that's helpful. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, uh, Madam Hearing Examiner. We dimmed them so we could see. I see. Uh, but now we need them because we're back in the room. Thank you. We couldn't, I could not hardly see Thank him you. with the lights on. I was on. just feeling like I was losing vision or something. It was so we, dark. It's daylight savings time. So yes. we decided to just nap time. Okay. <laughs> now, Ms. Robson, I'd like to hear your testimony. Okay. So I'm testifying about the history of the property and, um, the only expert who questioned us about the history of our property was Mr. Bradbury. Nobody else questioned us about anything about the history. So we moved into the property, into the house on December 5th of 1981. And um, 
1983 um, began in late, late, early, late winter, early 19, early spring, 1983 began the um, King County Timberwood Drainage Repair Project on our property. And it was done by the King County Surface Water and Roads Department. And, um, and when they finished off on that property, on that project, our property was completely, we didn't have any wet in it. Um, our kids over the years, we raised five guide dogs for the blind and we had to fence the whole property in order to keep them in. And um, my boys would go out and play with those dogs and our dogs. And the, nobody came in full of mud or the dogs came in clean. Um, my husband and our sons were part of the YMCA um, Indian Guides Program, and we had those respective tribes over camping out at the bottom of our property in the ravine where it's now wet. There was a fire pit, a picnic table, um, a big zip line. There was a three-pronged bridge with ropes on either side and a rope that you balanced on. Um, my boys enjoyed that property the fullest at the end of each school year. We had schools out for summer parties where um, the boys in their classes, the girls would go home, the boys would stay all night. And um, I'd let them play on the property until wee hours of the morning, as long as they stayed on the property and didn't wake up the neighbors. Um, so that property, I mean, we had a tree house that my husband built with a drawbridge. The property was dry all the time that my boys were growing up. And um, and then we installed a sports court on the upper parts. Um, and then they got the driver's licenses and they got jobs and they didn't go down there anymore. And um, we decided when we bought the property, um, it was a perfect place to raise our sons. And yet we were landlocked. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe someday we can negotiate with the, the property owners to the east of us and buy a section to unlandlock us, especially since they'd originally from the Timberwood drainage project, there was a, the type of road that has like concrete um, pieces of brick that sort of fill in with soil because Mr. Groskopf wanted it to look natural. And then in 2005, the county had to come in and dump gravel to reinforce that road because suddenly it wasn't working anymore. But nonetheless, there was access down there. And so when the uh, former property owners of that property, um, Hanka and Cesare Salwinski, um, lived there, uh, they knew that we wanted to gain access. And so we negotiated a deal. I think they may have even approached us at the top of the market. And so we, we bought a section of property. We had originally had an acre and a quarter and that made us an acre and a half. And um, so we had the access and uh, with the eye on, on a short plat. And so it was about that time that we realized that the property was no longer dry. And, um, and so, you know, I had a first wetland company come in, wetland resources. The price of going through all of uh, a short plat was more than we could afford. So with the first delineation in 2013, when it came back um, delineating an actual wetland and there was no reference to a, a 
manhole cover. It, I thought this there's something wrong here, but I can't afford to proceed. And then we tried again as we got older and retirement became around the corner. That's when we we began again in earnest. And um, still, same thing, no mention of the manhole covers. Um, and so I had been working with, I had brought in Orca Land Surveying to work for us because I didn't want to have to do this with any jurisdiction. I didn't want to have to come I didn't want to have to deal with the red tape of the city. And so I hired someone who does this. That's part of what the work they do. And so they came in and, um, and then uh, I needed to get another delineation done. And so um, the city, um, Desiree Goebel, and I had a conversation on the phone about the price. And first, um, you know, I was considering having, somebody do it, not knowing how it all works. And she informed me that the city consultant is um, the watershed company and that the watershed company would need to do the review regardless of whether or not I had them do the report. And so they sent me an estimate um, where there was option one and option two. Option one was for a full delineation and review and I think it was something like $3,967. And then um, option two was for strictly a review. And it was $25 or $2,600. And, and so, you know, I mean, the whole idea was that we didn't have a whole lot of money. Our idea was to develop, get this to the point of a preliminary short plat and then sell it. <laughs> and so I went with the city's... Um, doing both. I mean, it, it was presented in a way that would be uh, financially um, prudent. <laughs> so I did that. So it came back with a delineation of a wetland delineation and um, Orca had thought we had um, three to four lots plus our house. We always wanted to keep our house. And um, one day I got the call from um, Jen Hagen at Orca that oh my goodness, the wetland delineation had come back from the watershed company and we they wiped out all the lots. We had one lot plus our house. So from that moment, um, we had to make some really hard decisions. It was right about that time. My husband was had just been diagnosed with his health issue and um, he had to retire and we had to sell our company. And... Um, and we had to chew. We had a waterfront house on Hood Canal that was a legacy property that my husband built with his father. You like some water. Yeah, from the time he was eleven. Okay, I was and, offer, I was asking if you like a drink of water. No, I'm okay. Okay, okay. And they built it from Raw Beach. Built the bulkhead. Built the house together, and it. His parents passed away and we bought it so that we could keep it in the family. So we had to make a decision. We had to choose a house. And this prop, our Kirkland property, um, for financial reasons, was the one to keep because I had this pending short plat I was trying to do. And um, so we ended up having to sell that property. And uh, that was our family gathering place. 
that's where our grandkids, that's where our niece and nephews all came together. And, um, and so then I, it was suggested um, by Orca, Jen Hagen, that there was somebody they knew who was a top expert in the world um, who could do a delineation and, and confirm or deny the previous three. And she explained that um, he was very busy. It would take a while probably to get him, but that he he was good and that he knew what he was doing. And so that was Mr. Bredberg. And it and so I contacted Mr. Bredberg. It took me about a year just to get him to come to our property. And after that, it took me, it, I mean, he's a very busy man. <laughs> we're not his only client and he doesn't just do this type of work as he explained he's he's does a lot of really interesting work and so from the point of time when he made his first site visit until the time of the report i think it was a another year and um so here we are you know now i'm i'm defending my property and I know that um, Jen Hagen and Ry McDuffie of Orca Land Surveying um, at the pre-application meeting um, the summer of 2019, I believe, um, met with the city and were um, given the provisions of the, what the city wanted and those provisions were presumably based on the uh, wetland resources report and the Soundview Consultants map reconnaissance, <clears throat> which were accepted into the city's record. Um, I don't know that they were ever reviewed, but they were just, they were a wetland delineation that showed a regulated wetland and the city didn't question that. So the city questions unregulated wetland delineations. And what they what Desiree Goebel brought to that meeting was in the provisions was they wanted to take a, it was 10 or 12 feet wide swath down the full center of our property to join the ravine greenbelt to the west of us with the street below us. And it would be a pedestrian walkway um, no compensation offered, discussed, and no liability. So that whatever lot we had left, the person who owned that part of that pedestrian uh, walkway easement would be liable for insurance if anyone would be injured. So that right there devalues our lot even more. And um, it's a very private ravine. I. I don't want strange people walking down there or taking up residence as the way things are going these days. And so here we are. I mean, feel I'm fighting for my own property that we've owned for 42 years at the end of this month. Um, moved in 42 years ago, December 5th, and um, enjoyed with our sons and our friends and our family as completely dry until we discovered it wasn't. And that's the truth. Okay. Thank you. Okay. 
um, sorry. Let, let me find out if there's any cross-examination and if there is, uh, she can have a seat. Uh, the city has no cross-examination. Okay, great. Thank you very much for your testimony. Do we have, are we going to hear from another Robson today? No. Okay. Is there any? <laughs> Thank you for the record. Now you moved under oath, sir. Uh, <laughs> you want to put him under oath? No, I'm just teasing you. Okay. Do you have another witness for today? Not for today. Well, goodness. Let's talk about what's left to what business is left. Uh, Ms. Robson, what other business do we have to, to complete your case in chief? Um, we have Mr. Eric Ainsworth um, to testify for us tomorrow. Okay. And that's your only witness for tomorrow? Um, there may be one more. And can we? That would be Professor Monye. Okay. That's right. Mr. Uh, Professor Yee was on the meeting earlier, and I'm not tracking, so I don't know if he has stayed with us. Is there a reason he would not testify? Um, not sure. Okay. It, it's, it's kind of up to him, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're going to call him and he may or may not. Appear. Yes. Okay. Madam hearing examiner. Question. Um, Mr. Monyi is currently logged into the Zoom meeting. Do we want to ask him if he wants to testify now? I mean, since he's been here all day. Poor man. <laughs> We'd rather have him at the beginning of the day when we know that everything's fresh. Well, can, let's, let's ask him. If, what his preference okay, is. Okay, that sounds fine. Can we check in? We'll ask him to unmute. Thank you. We've decided that we don't think he needs to testify. We'll just have Eric Ainsworth tomorrow. Okay. Well, would you... Um, can you chat him or is he, maybe he's listening. Uh, Professor Yi, thank you for standing by all day. I guess the appellants are not going to call you. All right. So that witness will not be called. Um, so we have one witness for tomorrow. Does the city at this point, does the city anticipate any rebuttal witnesses? The city does anticipate um, short rebuttal on the um the design and function of the stormwater drainage system, what it does drain, what it doesn't drain. And will that be a city witness who's already spoken or will it be a new witness? It'll be a city witness who's already spoken. It'll be Kelly Jones. Right. All right. Um, so the way that would work is we'll, we'll finish hearing the appellant's case in chief, and then we will proceed to uh, city's rebuttal testimony. The appellant would have a chance at final rebuttal testimony if desired. And then we would be done with the evidentiary portion of the hearing. Let's, since we have time today, let's talk about some of the housekeeping that uh, that remains to be dealt with. At the second pre-hearing conference, we had some uh, conversation about the fact that a long ago request for uh, public records has not been yet fulfilled. And um, rather, the appellants requested not to have the hearing date extended. They wanted to keep their hearing date because they'd like to have it resolved, but they did want to be able to receive all the documents. So as established in the second post, in the second pre-hearing scheduling order, which I will open now so that I don't mangle what it says, 
the record is being held open at the conclusion of this hearing to allow the appellants to submit any other relevant information that is disclosed by the city in a disclosure that's anticipated to occur on the 8th. Is that still true? The 8th is, um, unfortunately, during the break, I had frantic um, communications from the public records office, and I can't say that they will complete everything on the 8th. Um, they have been trying since our pre-hearing order um, to conclude this public records request. They're just extremely busy and short-staffed. We're like every city yeah. um, and doing the very best they can. And I know they're frantic right now trying to do this. And I know we will have documents for release on the 8th. I don't know if it'll be 100% complete. I'll, I should know that by tomorrow morning. Okay, that's helpful. Do do Can you give us a ballpark in our conversation now? If it's not 100% complete on the 8th, what the next disclosure deadline would be? I could tell you in the morning. In the morning. I just know that they're been trying to reach me all day. Okay. So for our part, um, we would be fine with um, closing the record unless we need a reconsideration. If those documents, if there are anything in those documents that would have us want to file a reconsideration, that so that would be the only condition where we would need to have it. And do you mean closing it after the 8th, the disclosure, on the, or do you mean closing it at the end of the hearing tomorrow? I'm closing it at the end of the hearing tomorrow. Okay. So given the unusual posture of this case and the fact that this public records request and waiting for those documents has long been, the city has long been apprised the appellants are waiting in order to potentially expedite the outcome. Would the city be willing to acknowledge that uh, documents that are not made available to appellants until after the hearing would be eligible for offering as unavailable on reconsideration? Yes. Great. That that really will that will smooth things over and speed us up because maybe there will be nothing else that needs to be added. If there are documents that come out on the 8th that need to be added or even later that need to be added to the record, I, I don't know that I can hold the record open for, a. is it going to be three months or is it going to be one month? Oh gosh, I can't imagine it'd be more than one month. All right. So tomorrow we'll I'll talk. I'll get in there. You know, I'm, I'm no good at it, but I can't find my shoes that match, but I'll try to look for records. No, I, I want to be really serious, actually. I'm sorry I made a joke. Um, I know they're working hard, um, and I know that they're frantically trying to reach me today, which leads me to believe they have questions about whether they complete this on the 8th. Yeah. But I, and unless they've discovered additional records they're trying to get through ones they know about yeah they just have to review them and i don't think it it would be more than a couple weeks got it so we'll have to address that in the post-hearing schedule um the fact that we'll close the record at the end of this hearing but uh, i but that record closure will acknowledge the fact that there is yet undisclosed material from the public records request, which would be eligible to be offered on reconsideration. I'm pretty sure the reconsideration period is, I haven't, I didn't look, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 or 14 days. It's not, it's not months. No, no. So uh, we would need to make arrangements around that. Okay. Excuse me. I'm having a dry mouth. 
one other thing that I hope the parties will recall because it was in writing. Uh, when we scheduled this hearing for November the 6th and 7th, I told you all I have an out of office, by which I mean vacation scheduled, and I'm leaving on Wednesday. So I had asked and the parties had agreed to have the record closure date be final and not start the deadline for decision issuance, not start until November 20th. So when we when we were so I'm, I'm reminding you, you previously agreed to that. That's right. Um, when we had our second pre-hearing conference, it looked to me like it might actually even be longer than that. And it is kind of a complicated record. I, when we get to the end of this hearing, I may be asking for an extension on the decision issuance timeline, but I'm talking five business days. I'm not talking. We're fine with so that. So that would be 15 business days from November 20th. Yeah, go have a good vacation. I, I would like for this to be concluded as much almost as you would, I think. So let's 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 do that. So tomorrow we're going to reconvene again, unfortunately. I, I honestly believed, and I told you on both pre-hearing conferences that I believed that we would finish in one day. And I think we could have if everybody were available today. Yeah, uh, like, so that's it's the reason. It's only quarter to four. I know. I thought we might be here till 7 p.m. I'm I'm very surprised. And look, wait, I haven't even asked this. Mr. Ainsworth is definitely not available today. If, if we wait an hour, if we took a break, had a coffee and came well, back. Well, maybe we have we take a break and have a coffee and we'll try to reach him. Because we might, if we wrapped it up today, then we wouldn't even have to reconvene tomorrow. And that would be fantastic. So yeah. should we take a break? Can sure. we say, can we yes. say 15 minutes? Yes. Is sure. that, is yeah, that enough? That, that works for Let's us. Take a break and see if we can reach him. Thank you. Thanks, reconvene. All right. The uh, Robsons have reached Mr. Ainsworth. He is available today. He will be testifying virtually. And I will ask Mr. Cole's assistance in getting him on the screen. Thank you. Sir, can you hear us? I can. And we can hear you as well. Let's go ahead and have you do the thing. State and spell your name. State your credentials for the record. And then please allow me to swear you in. Uh, Eric Ainsworth, E-R-I-K-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H. Uh, I'm a professional engineer in the state of Washington, and um, I own uh, Land Developer Incorporated as well as a DBA of that, which is a Reliant Design Group. Okay. Um, I have expertise in geotechnical, civil, and, and as well as structural engineering. Um, been doing that since I graduated college in 96. Um, I, uh, did a site visit on this site. I don't recall the date. It's in my report. Let, let, let me swear you in Mr. Ainsworth. Yeah. If you would raise your right hand, do you swear or affirm your testimony will be true? If so, please say I do. I do. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. No problem. Um, so I did a site visit and, uh, dug to, uh, a mini excavator test pitch that went down about uh, between six and eight feet, I believe. Um, to see what kind of soils were in the area and uh, support the information that you've already heard today testified. Um, and uh, one thing that I would say is interesting about the soils is they're really fine silts, uh, silty sands. And so um, the unique thing about those type of soils is, is when they're laid, uh, as they spoke earlier, uh, naturally occurring they get they get a drainage basically system that's in the in in the the 
the structure of the soil itself. And then when you pick that material up and you and then you put it back down and you squish it, all of the the, the natural pores that allow water to, to propagate through it um, pretty much get squished because it's such a fine soil. And so in the engineering world, we call that a moisture sensitive soil. And you, you typically don't reuse that when you're doing construction because it ends up making a mess, especially if you have any kind of precipitation that happens when you're when you're laying it down. So um, I say all that to say, once you pick that material up and then put it down where they built this um, drainage structure, you're likely going to have a mud puddle. And so over time, that can do whatever it's going to do when you have wet ground. Um, and so that material makes a great place to, to put an engineered wetland, if in nothing else. If you were going to use some soil and you needed it to hold hold water, I would say this is pretty good stuff. Um, so that's that's kind of just a, a first note that I, I'd say is, um, you know, the, the soil that they put around uh, these structures was the stuff they cut out of the hillside. Um, the other the other unique thing I would say too about how water propagates through groundwater, uh, groundwater propagates through soil is that um, it's been my observation on other projects where I have clients who would say to me, the water came out of the hillside. These these are these are projects uh, that are on bluffs along the the bay. So you have the the steep slope that's cut down to. Uh, the Puget Sound, and they live right on top of it and really close to the edge. So they pay attention to their hillsides pretty regularly because they don't want their hillside to fall out uh, and 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 risk their houses. So I've had people tell me that the the seep was here last year and over and then the following year it's over here and then now it's down here. And so what happens is silts are in the groundwater and then they kind of get to a spot where it's stuck and then the water finds a new easy way to go. So that I say all that to say it's it's possible and also likely that the reason why uh, seeps are here one day and not another or they were there one day and now they're not and then they pop back again years later is likely because the soils um that are that are propagating like the sandier layers within this area are propagating that that groundwater and then the silts that are above and below can mix in and and create a a likely more more challenging way for the water to move so it, it literally just it finds its easiest path and and there's nobody out there looking at how that water gets propagated so you can't say for for certain which way it's going to go but you can also say by observation of this, this area, as well as previous projects, it's likely that the groundwater, even the way it is right now, the, the seep may not be there next year. It might be in a different spot, but that's just the way um, groundwater and the way that natural um, systems propagate. You, do, you don't know how, how it's gonna happen, but you know it's likely that things like that do occur. Um, so as an engineer, we always talk about risk factors and what's the risk of this happening or that happening. And so we try to minimize risk when we're designing uh, facilities to handle that. 
So that's that's why it could happen that it takes 20 years before you see a seep coming out of the ground. And it wasn't there and now it is. Um, and to me, the interesting thing about that is, is the, the, uh, the, the city didn't build a, a, a gravel road until I think somebody mentioned something like uh, 2005. So that the maintenance occurred until then without a gravel road. And then all of a sudden they need a gravel road. And so that to me would say there were some seeps that started occurring in that in that general time frame that uh, warranted additional work to be done to maintain that system. And since it was a permitted uh, stormwater facility, they could go and get a permit to build that gravel road to maintain that stormwater facility. And in my mind, when I look at what's there, there's another manhole up above. And it, and if you go out there after it's rained, you uh, you walk through that area, you're going to fall down more likely because it's slippery. It's this this material is very, very uh, fine. And and uh, anyway, I, I would have thought they would have brought that gravel road all the way up to the, to the next manhole so they could actually clean out both ends without without uh, uh, risk of, of the mud that's there. Um, so that would be my recommendation to the city is they need to extend their gravel road to the next manhole, which I think probably ends up taking out that the, the wetland in question, or at least the, the stream in question that, that they're, they're talking about. But that's all part of the construction of this facility when it happened, in, in my opinion. Um, I guess one thing I'd like to do is, is, uh, is have the, the, can you bring up, uh, I don't know what exhibit it is, but it's the one that shows uh, the, uh, let's see here. Um, I guess, so there was a, there was an exhibit that had a, the, I guess it was the survey that shows the region and the, and the, and the, uh, the wetland delineation of that area. Yeah, the Orca survey, we can find that. Yeah, I think that's it. Just give us a Yeah, actually, that was it. The green hatch right there. All right. So again, for the record, we're in exhibit 2D as in dog and uh, base stamp 147. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for waiting, Mr. Ainsworth. Here it comes. So that's showing the end of the gravel road they constructed. And like I said, that next manhole up is really where they should have built it because that's the that's the full structure. And and between that manhole and the gravel road is a is a slick um, area that is is really not passable unless they they were to to increase or, or, or extend that gravel road. Um, and, you know, 
that being a, a, a man-made facility, that that's something that uh, the city uh, would be expected to do uh, as part of their maintenance is be able to maintain that structure. I know that uh, when whenever I have to design something for a, a facility, uh, they make me have a road to every manhole. And right now they don't have a road to every manhole and and therefore they're not adequately maintaining this facility in, in my opinion and based off of how I get treated when I do my projects. Um, can we, there was a-, a before, before you move on, can I ask you, can you please uh, use some words and help me identify where on this image uh, you're seeing my, that manhole? So the existing SD manhole type two in the middle there that has a D in a circle, so if the hand can go left, keep yes. going left and go up. The, the white the D. Storm design. Yeah, the storm. See the SD line there? That's the storm. Yeah, go down. Yeah, that, that's the exhibit. So if you go to the left, see the D? That that's thing. a manhole there. That's the end of their detention facility. That's uh was constructed as part of the storm system that's piped all the way up to the top, which... um is serving the stormwater system for the road above, which I'd like to go to that. Uh, again, I'm 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 not sure which exhibit we you guys had it that came up that showed the original uh, plat that had stormwater design and and showed the the pipes for that road at the top of the ravine. If we Excuse could pull me. that up, that would be our Bates number one six nine. That's going to be exhibit two. Thank you. So there, if you go to the left of track B and come down, no, we're over. Do you see where track B is? Words track the words track B sort of to the yeah, right go, of the page. Go go left of that. See where it says outfall. Yep, go up right up a little bit higher. So it says outfall number one where the arrow is pointing. Yes. That's the outfall at the top of our ravine, correct? I, I believe that's the case. I'll just testify that I believe that's the top of our ravine. And if you look at all the catch basins there, that is stormwater from that road design. And so that whole region there has stormwater that outfalls into this ravine. And um, when you read me the, the criteria as to what constitutes for road construction, this stormwater that comes out of that pipe is all for stormwater for road construction. You don't you don't have a a percentage in that criteria. You don't have a a qualifier that says when or when it cannot be considered uh, part of road construction. So there the way it works is you got stormwater here, and and if I were to add up how much road is going into that ravine, you can see all the catch basins that are tributary to that outfall. It's it's on that map for the most part. I think it goes off the map to the left there. Regardless, that stormwater is what they connected to that detention facility at the bottom. And I can only say that because I've observed what you've given me today. I haven't done additional research, but I believe what you've shown me today is enough evidence to say that that pipe now connects down to that detention facility. And it was done because they were having too much stormwater going down this region and they wanted to they wanted to mitigate that so they they created that storm facility at the bottom to mitigate this road
There's there there is also that one exhibit that shows the the design for the uh, detention facility. Could we take that up next? Do we know what document we're looking for? It's a, it, it could be uh, the one that had the pictures, uh, not the pictures. Um, it'd be nice to have the one that doesn't have the pictures on there. It, it shows the storm pipes that are connected down to the detention facility at the bottom of the ravine. Um, and I don't, I don't know how to. I, th I think uh, Miss Nelson thinks she knows which one we're looking for and she's going to get it. Appreciate it. It's harder. Yeah, that that will that will suffice. Great. So now if you look up there to the left of this picture, there's a number one with a circle. It says begin 180. That is the beginning of capturing all of the road runoff and putting it into a pipe that goes down this ravine all the way down to the detention facility. So as I see this, that detention facility is directly connected to the road design and and not uh there because of groundwater and other things and since that's a primary focus of of where this this hearing kind of went to today to me this is uh fairly clear that stormwater is mitigated by the number seven detention facility that is uh, a part of the stormwater facilities that are in 94th avenue and 140th street as well as the other pipes that we saw in that previous exhibit and I think that's really all I need to say unless somebody else has a question for me. The only thing is, could you please restate that point one more time for me? Well, the question of the day is, was the was the detention facility and the pipe put in to handle road construction? Well, actually, I'd say this. Was that, I think the way that the, the city's attorney put it was, um, is this built for a road? And in order to build a road, you have to mitigate stormwater. And the way they did it in the old days, if you will, when they built this stuff was put a pipe and let it go, which is number one uh, on the left here. So they built these catch basins and pipes and, and dumped it into the ravine. That's kind of the old fashioned way of handling stormwater. Then as, as, as regulations increased and and improved there were detention facilities that were then implemented to mitigate and and help reduce the kind of uh stormwater releases that that uh basically are damaging to rivers streams and downstream facilities which is that detention facility so you have you have a question of was this built for a road I'm not sure if I'm getting it right, but you can't build a road without stormwater facilities being built to mitigate them. Therefore, whether this is down the, at the bottom of the hill or up at the top of the hill is, is immaterial to the question. You need stormwater facilities in order to build a road. That detention facility mitigates the road and very specifically the 90, 94th Avenue stormwater system uh in that road system so i i just i mean to me i don't even know if there's not even a question that this isn't for that road system okay thank is you that, is that pretty clear yes thank you for restating it okay so and and does that pretty much conclude your testimony you said That's it. yeah unless somebody has a question for me 
So let me first go to the Robsons and ask, did you have some redirect or additional questions you'd like him to address? Yes, I, I have a couple. Um, when they cut the sides of the ravine, did it open up to form seeps? Well, I can't speak to... Wait, hold, hold on hold, hold on one second. Let's, let, I'm going to hear an objection. Just yeah, a objection. I, I believe that's beyond the scope of his testimony. Uh, I I don't know that you spoke to the the source of the seeps and ravines, but I feel like it's I feel like it's related to his testimony. I'll go ahead. Could you please re-ask the question? So the question is, when the county came in and cut the sides of the ravine to accommodate the project, did it open it up to form seeps? Okay, so so. I think I, I I did present some some testimony in that regard, but I, I said it differently. And the reason is, is as an engineer, I, I get to report on observation. You know, I can I can speak on 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 an engineering principle and different things. And so what I can't say is a seat formed when it was cut. What I can say is the likelihood or possibility of a seep occurring in an area where you cut. Um, through in any ravine like this is 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 there you have that likelihood to occur when that occurs is is something that has to either be measured or observed as an engineer i i'm not speculating in that regard except for what i did testify which was when they needed to build a road versus when uh when they didn't so they 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 maintained this facility without a road and then they all of a sudden needed a road because it was too wet so that's the only observation that I could report on as to when a seat might have been there or not. Um, but it certainly increases your your possibility and odds of a seat occurring when you cut out. Objection. Line. Now we're just getting into speculation, Madam Hearing Examiner. Uh, that's definitely, though, within the scope of what he was testifying about before. And I think he's just restating the opinion that he already expressed. So maybe we don't need you to restate it, sir. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. I have another question. Public works had to rebuild the road in 2005. Is it reasonable that the site got wet around 2005? Well, that's my testimony. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Ainsworth. Great. Then let's move to city cross-examination. Yeah. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Stephanie Kroll, the senior assistant city attorney for the city of Kirkland. Um, and is it correct you've been uh, watching all day? I have. Okay. So you heard everyone's testimony and have seen the exhibits today? Except for a couple of times when I had to step out. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, when did you conduct your site visit? It's in my report. I don't have it off the top of my head. Give us a moment. So would that be February 10th of 2022? 23? If that's what my report says. That's what your report says. Okay, then that would be it. Okay, and so um, you did not provide a written report 
until the end of October. Is that correct? Uh, correct. And your report is dated October 27th. Is that correct? Yes. And um, were you aware of the fact that your information and reports were supposed to be produced to the city by October 24th? Was I aware of that? Correct. Not in time for me to get this report in. That's that's why it ended up being a couple of days late. Okay, so um, the Robsons did not ask you to prepare a report until after the 24th. Is that correct? They asked me to do that. I I, uh, I had a lot of things uh, on my plate that I was dealing with, and so I got it done as soon as I could. Okay. Um. You said that um, you think that the uh, city should extend the road into a wetland so as to clean a facility. Is that your testimony? My testimony is that's an engineered facility. They put dirt on it that doesn't infiltrate and doesn't allow water to propagate through it. So as a result, plants grew. That engineered facility is required to be maintained. In order yes. to maintain it, do you have it, any? Do you have any evidence? Up. Do you have any evidence that it hasn't been maintained? City standard is to build a gravel driveway to every manhole. Okay, I don't know where you get that standard, but did you hear Ms. Jones testify earlier about how that facility is maintained? She testified that they they use the road to get to there, and that's the only part that they maintain. No, she didn't. She testified that they have an arm that extends up to the manhole you're saying is not maintained, and it is maintained via an extension. Did you, you might have stepped out during that. I disagree. That That's the way you should do a, a facility. Based off of my experience and the way that I get treated by the engineers that are testifying with you, I don't get that privilege. Well, um, are you told to build roads through wetlands? When they built this facility. In King County. They should have had an access road to the manhole in order to maintain it. And in doing so, you wouldn't end up with a wetland. Well, because the road would have been built and that wetland wouldn't have grown. Okay, so that is an opinion of yours. Do you have any facts to support that? When you put a gravel road in. And you okay, not, I'm not asking for road. opinion. Do you have any facts, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm, I'm telling you my facts. When you install a gravel road that you use to maintain a, a manhole, that gravel road is not a wetland. Okay, so that is something you think King County should have done before 2011 when it was annexed by the city. That's the way you maintain a facility. That's the way I am required to maintain facilities when I design them. All right, but you have no evidence that this facility has not been maintained properly. That's not the point. Oh, yes, it is, sir. That's the question I'm asking you. I don't need evidence 
to, to make the assertion that I just made. Okay, thank you. Um, you also said that you believe that um, road runoff is being sent to the drainage system that is currently on the Robson property. The detention pipes at the bottom of the hill is directly connected to the to the pipes in the road at the top of the hill. Okay, no disagreement. Is there water from other sources entering that system? Every project has waters from other sources. Is there water from is there water from 56 single family residences being diverted to that system? You're making a number of 56, but that's not what's tributary to the road. You have to, if you want to know exactly what's going to those pipes, you would have to look at how every yard drains and every yard and every roof that splash blocks go into that road system and then come down. And you have done that analysis, have you? You can't tell us today that all of those 56 residences are not draining to the ravine, which happens to be the lowest point in that area. How is that material to the exemption? You don't ask the question, sir. Did you answer my question? I suppose that's argumentative then, right? Um, I can't speak to if there's 56 houses going to that pipe because I doubt that there's 56 pipe, 56 lots that are actually tributary. You, you've made that number yourself, and then you're asking me to, to uh, answer that question on the fly. So I think that's, um, well, I, I, I don't know how many houses are going into that pipe. I'd have to look at it. All right. And you could, it would help if you reviewed Ms. Jones's report. Did you review Ms. Jones's report? No. She shows, she shows the acreage tributary to that area. Well, I saw her numbers that she put there. She doesn't have a basin map that shows her lines that show what's where, which each, where the, the, the contours which indicate where it drains to it. So it's an incomplete report. Okay, which is better than no report, right? Which I got from you, no report. Right. Okay, and then today- Objection, with... objection. I think you received a report from Mr. Ainsworth. It was an open hearing and we believed it was allowed so you did receive a report. And what if I had given you a report of somebody on Friday? Okay, okay, okay. okay. We're at Would the you end have of, it objected we're, then, Ms. Robson? We're, we're at the end of the day. Let's not have uh, incivility raise its head now. It's absolutely true. Or would that true. have been surprise? I That's could already... answer that. May I'm, I say something? No, I'm, I'm okay. stopping this exchange. I've been trying to anyway. This exchange is done. I don't want incivility to enter the hearing here in the 11th hour. Uh, that report came in on the 27th. It was offered and uh, city objected and I admitted it. Uh, and this hearing, done it with didn't that. come but... in on the 27th. It came in on Sorry. November 1st. It came in late and I admitted it over the city's objection, which I've acknowledged and the city will have a chance to respond. But I don't think that's the question that you were, you weren't saying you didn't get a report. You were saying 
Mr. Ainsworth's report doesn't include that detail of how many lots are in the basin that contributes, correct? It, do it doesn't include any of his opinions today. He changed his opinion from that report even today to give us a new opinion, but that's fine. I'm just trying to figure out if he has facts and evidence to support his opinion today, right. which isn't- I do. You can look at the drainage design that we just talked about, and you can see the, the road that drains there. And the, the question today is whether or not a road instituted the need for that drainage facility. And yes, it does. Okay, so the I want to make sure that you understand the exemption to the definition of wetland in Washington, because you've misstated it a couple times. Is the wetland unintentionally created as a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway? That is the question here. And though not in your report, you are giving us an opinion about that today. And your opinion is that, I think it's this, if the construction of the road is a part of the creation of the wetland, then that is enough and you don't have to determine what percentage. I believe you actually said that earlier. Is that correct? So... I'll restate what I, I believe as it relates to what you just said or related to the, the, the exemption. A road was built for a plat that has the, the stormwater release into this ravine. And the soils they used to fill over the top of the detention facility incidentally created this wetland area because it doesn't infiltrate very well. Whether or not you have a 50% of the stormwater road, 20% or 70% isn't linked into that requirement. The road was built, they, they required stormwater to be constructed for that. The stormwater that was constructed for that road goes all the way down to the base of this ravine and they created a detention facility to mitigate that stormwater. Okay, so Mr. Ainsworth, what is the basis of your opinion that the amount of water in this system that comes from the road is inconsequential? Did you, for instance... You, you stated the exemption. How the, the, the exemption itself does not put in a percentage. And is it true that this wetland has been unintentionally created as a result of water precipitation that falls into the ravine itself? That's for the other experts to, to determine and, and provide evidence on. Okay, so you are I'm not, not a wetland biologist. You're not a hydrologist, correct? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, that's that's not my expertise. Is it, I don't do wetlands, I hire those experts. Okay, and so the basis of your opinion that if even one percent of the road goes into the system, then it has then the wetland is a result of the construction of a road, street, or highway. Is that correct? Even if 
it's only 1% from a road. That's not my testimony right now. What I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to absurdities. Well, can we bring, we, up, can we, we bring up the the report that talks about the the amount of impervious coverages that is in your your city staff's report? Okay, I'd like to answer Mike. You have an answer to my question first. Well, I'm not I'm not here to answer what the percentage is that is allowed in your exemption. That's not that's a legal interpretation. What I would like to do is present to you the the city's report on how much impervious area comes from what and 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 we'll see what her report is is um providing as far as impervious areas etc and and that will say approximately how much of this is road or not okay so i have no further questions okay Ms. robson um Redirect, yes. yes. I, could we bring that report up? Ms. Jones' report? Okay, I guess not. Okay, so Mr. Ainsworth? So wait, you don't you don't want to see it? Okay. I guess not. No. So is the detention facility from road construction? Yes. Objection asked and answered. When they built the detention facility, did it turn wet after 1990? So I can't I can't speak to the exact date after 1990 or whatever. All I can say is the evidence, like I re already restated, was when they needed to access it because they couldn't anymore. They needed okay. to build that access road when it got wet. So that's the only evidence that I can speak to as an engineer to say when it could happen. The other experts have test testimony as to when things were dry and wet. And I think we need to rely on that testimony to timing. When did they access it? 2005 is when they had to build the road so because it got wet. Okay, thank you. Um, would the detention facility have been built with no house runoff? Regardless of house runoff, would the detention facility have been built? Because Objection of the calls for speculation. Yeah, that's suspect. It's tough to answer that. Okay, thank you. We're finished. Thank you very much, Mr. Ainsworth. Okay, and and is there any recross? No, no. Thank you, Mr. Ainsworth. So I just right now I just want to say, Mr. Ainsworth, I don't think you're able to see most of the people who are speaking to you, and I'm sorry because I think that makes for more uh, difficult, sort of contentious. You can't read our faces as we listen to you, so I'm sorry All that right. you can't. Yeah. Let me, I, I need to ask you some questions about your report just so that I'm clear on the documents. Do you have your report with you? I pulled it up, yes. All right, so it's a, a Reliant Design Group letter dated 10-27-23? Yes. On, did you attach the MTC CIV report that is attached to it? It's the next. Yeah, that's the, that's the doc, yeah, that's, that's the document that I'm talking about as far as what kind of soils are there and okay. the fact that they're very moisture sensitive. Can I just say, again, for the record, I told the Robsons this earlier, but the copy of it is not legible to me because- I could re-email it to you if you'd like, because it's yeah, if, not if, if you, Yeah, we need another copy of that document. If that could be sent to the Robsons, they can forward it to Mr. Cole and he can forward it to everybody. Right. So if you would do that, I would appreciate it because I'd like yeah. to at least be able to read it. Did you, did, did you attach any other documents to your report? No, I just referenced those other documents, mm -hmm. so I didn't think I needed to. 
you, I'm just asking because there are another 15 or 20 some pages. And I wanted to know if those were attached by you or if they were added by the Robsons. They might've added them just to be clear on. Yeah. Got it. Thank you for those clarifications. That's all I needed. Appreciate your testimony, sir. Thanks for um, joining us today so that we could wrap up testimony today. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, any other appellant testimony to be offered in your case in chief? All right. Then uh, we are going to move to uh, city's uh, rebuttal testimony. We sort of just had a break. Do we need a break before we go there? Yes, please. Okay. And five minutes or Five is fine. Five minutes. So it's 4.44. We'll go off the record and come back on at uh, 4.50. Thank you very much. We were going to hear rebuttal testimony from the city. And the city calls Kelly Jones. Um, I, is there anybody left on the Zoom meeting? Yes. Okay, please, if you would, go to the podium. Thank you. And we'd ask um, Brian if he could please pull up Exhibit 14. City's 14? Yeah, the appellants didn't have 10. They only had 10. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Ms. Jones, remind you that you're still under oath. Yes. Mm. Hello? Oh, okay. okay, Ms. Jones, we heard some testimony today that um, there has been um, speculation that in 1983, the stormwater system dried out the Robson property. Um, first of all, based on your review of the plan, was that the intent of the system? The intent of the system was to drain the Timberwood subdivision. Um, it really, it was because of the erosion that was happening on the property. Um, and so the erosion was so severe that they put in a pipe system with a detention tank at the bottom of the hill to help slow that water down and meter it out before it went into Northeast 140th Street. But it was built for the subdivision um, at Timberwood or the Timberwood subdivision. Is there any indication that it was intended to drain the Robson property? No, aside from it does have a note and it's a little bit. There we go. There it is. Um, yes, that it, it was. I don't, I don't see anything on here saying that it was intended to drain the entire property. It it does have a note in here that does say side drains installed to collect water coming off the south bank. Okay, and um, do we know where those drains were installed or how many were installed? Not from this plan, no. But do we have any documentation that shows it? No. All right, and. There is an arrow pointing to an area where it looks like they might be installing side drains. Is that correct? Uh, I think the arrow is actually intended for this note here, which is existing 30-foot drainage easement centered at center line of gully. Okay. And so it's the two dashed lines where you see the line here and the line here, but it's at 30 feet. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. So... To the best of your knowledge, is there anything indicating how many or where those side drains were placed? No, aside from no. Do we know if any were actually placed? No. Do you have any as-built showing side drains? 
No, not that I recall reading on here. Okay. Thank you. I have no further questions. All right. Then let me go to the Robsons. Do you have cross-examination for this witness? Yes, please. Okay. Sorry. So public works had to rebuild the road in 2005. Objection. They're exceeding the scope of the rebuttal witness testimony. I didn't ask any questions about the road. It's true. Um, one second. So they want to ask questions of the witness. They're outside the scope. Um, so th this no. cross-exam would normally should be limited to the scope of the rebuttal testimony. Okay. So are you a, a professional engineer? I am. Why did they put in the side drains into the seep on the as built? Aside from what they indicate here, it says that it's for uh, water coming off at the South Bank. That's how much of our property was wet. I don't know. And did you see the photos of the children? Yes, I saw the photos of the children. Was there any wetness? There was. Um, the puddles that Dawn had indicated in her, in her um, original, I don't know what that's called, testimony, in her original testimony. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I have no further questions. All right, I don't have any questions either. Thank you, Ms. Jones. Any other city rebuttal evidence at this time? No. Okay. Is there any uh, Robson uh, rebuttal evidence at this time? No rebuttal evidence. All right. So let's, I believe we're done with the evidentiary part of the hearing with one exception. Uh, so in the <clears> second <throat> post-hearing order, pre-hearing order, the schedule is held open. For, the record was held. We talked about holding the record open for two things. One was subsequent to the hearing, the Robson submitting stuff from the November 8th um, disclosure on the Public Records Act, which you've declined to do at this time. And we've had the conversation about the fact that if you do find something that you feel has to be added, the city won't object to it being added on reconsideration. So we don't need to schedule anything for that. But uh, Mr. Ainsworth's report and your Exhibit 10 came in late and has caused the city some undue surprise. They tried to make a motion to strike. I denied the motion so I could hear all the testimony, but they do deserve a chance to respond. So what we need to do is come up with a schedule. Uh, first, I'll ask the city if they want to respond. If they do, we'll come up with a schedule for them to submit something in writing and then a schedule for you to respond to their response because as the appellants, you're the party who gets the last word in the evidence. After we have those things tidied up, then we'd be ready for you to make closing arguments based on the full record. Does that make, I'm not saying we won't hear some closing today, but I don't, but you don't have the full record yet. So it would be most efficient if we didn't have closing arguments today. But if people wanted to, if you felt like you wanted to, I would hear it. So that's what I'm going to move to now is that conversation. Does the city wish to submit written response to this surprise report of Mr. Ainsworth? Okay. And let's talk schedule. Um, uh, I, I want to get this matter wrapped up and for the decision to be issued as timely as possible. But I'm 
I'm feeling not stingy with how long this post-hearing process goes because of my out of office. So uh, what what is a reasonable period of time for the city? One week is very reasonable in my book. So today, let me open my calendar. Today being the sixth, that means the city's written response to Mr. Ainsworth's late disclosed evidence would be due Monday, November 13th. I've got to write this down or I will forget. And then the Robsons, uh, how late, how long would you like to respond to final evidence to the city's response to Mr. Ainsworth's testimony? A week is a week fine. Is great. Thank you. Very I much. do. I do have something to say, though, about okay. the evidence. I, I didn't jump in quickly enough. Sure. Hold on one second. Let's do this and then we'll come back to you. So I just want to get the date noted. The appellants would like one week, too, which means appellants responses due November 20th. Okay, and that was just on the issue of the city responding to Exhibit 10. Uh, I want to note right now for the record, Exhibit 10 contains a whole bunch of other documents that weren't from Mr. Ainsworth, but I believe most of them are redundant. Uh, so let's just look at those really quickly. First, you have the, I, I went through and I noted, uh, so it's starting at bait stamp 706 is Mr. Ainsworth report, 709 is the MTC soils testing lab sheet that he's going to send us a fresh copy of so I can read it. At 710, there's an email exchange between Robson and Goebel. And I don't I don't know if that's replaced, if that's repetitive because it's earlier emails. There's a whole exhibit about email exchange. At 714, you have that agreement. And that's at least the second time the agreement's in the record. So that doesn't need a response. At um, 716, there's a Department of Ecology in Robson emails. At 721, there's some code excerpts, stream typing code. I don't know, because you only have the last three letters, I don't know what code you're citing. Do you know, Mr. Redberg, did you provide that? Or do you know, Ms. Robson? I think it, it's city code. Kirkland? Yes. Okay, great. I just want to confirm. I uh, don't like to assume. At 722, there's a watershed company letter to D. Goble. It's dated 2019. I don't know. I didn't note that whether or not that's repeated somewhere else on the record. But if it wasn't previously admitted, the city may or may not want to respond to it. At 724, there's an excerpt or a, a, a piece of a, a document that's got code of ethics for professional wetland scientists. It doesn't show a source. Could I have the source for that? Code of ethics for professional wetland scientists? Um, we, can, we can disregard it. You want to strike that? Yes. We'll strike it then. So I'll make a note that the code of ethics is stricken. So that starts at 724. So the last few pages or last page of exhibit 10 is stricken. Thank you. Did the city, do you want to reserve the right to uh, respond to the other documents that are in exhibit 10 that may not have been offered? Some of them are repeated, but I don't know that all of them are. Or okay. are you only interested in Mr. Ainsworth's? No, I'm, I need to look at the additional documents and and see and There's, consider. There, I, I know some of them are repetitive. I don't know that all of them are. So, so the city's response is going to be to exhibit 10, all of it, except for the Code of Professional Ethics for Wetland Scientists, which is stricken. And then the appellant's response will be to whatever the city submits. All right. Thank you for going through that with me. Ms. Robson, you had another evidentiary issue. Um, yes, I would um, move to strike all of the reports, um, the wetland resources, the sound view, uh, consultants, um, reconnaissance map, um, 
the watershed company and the DOE letter because they they didn't show up. I haven't been able to ask them questions about anything. So I feel I haven't been afforded my Sixth Amendment right of facing my accuser. So I'd move to remove all of those from the record. Okay, let's hear from the city. This is not a criminal trial. Okay. Sixth um, Amendment doesn't strictly apply. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, uh, these documents are um, city documents now. They're received by the city in the regular course of business. And if uh, Ms. Robson wanted to talk to anybody with regard to those documents, she was free to call them to this hearing and cross-examine them. And she chose not to. So um, those documents were always uh, produced. You know, she didn't say anything even till the end of the hearing. She didn't ask at the beginning of the hearing. So um, we asked that that motion be denied uh, based on the fact that she could have asked those people herself, and she chose not to ask them to come. So on our original uh, witness list, they were all listed. And then, um, as I recall, Ms. Kroll um, said that the DOE would not be uh, testifying, and um, the others weren't addressed. So we chose to simplify and and go with what the city had recommended said that they would do and so that was our reasoning was to simplify okay i i understand that and um uh, and i understand the basis of your motion but i'm not going to strike the documents that the city's decision are based upon they're fundamental to the city's decision that's under appeal and i'm, I'm not going to strike them thank you madam hearing examiner i just also want to insert in response to that last comment that we provided a witness list that listed Kelly, Dawn, Adam, and DOE. And we advised her we were not calling DOE. None of those other uh, people were included on the list. Just their reports were submitted. Thank you for the clarification. Other business, anything else? No, that would, and I concur with what she said. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Is there any other open file folder in your brain? Anything else that we haven't addressed? Business we haven't gotten to? No. Okay. Anything else from the city that we haven't addressed? Nothing that the city can think of right now. Thank okay. you. So my, my, open, my only open file folder is uh, we are going to have closing arguments. I believe the parties have at this point agreed to do that in writing. So let's schedule uh, uh, write it, the written uh, final arguments. The appellant's response to the city's rebuttal evidence is due the 20th. I don't suggest we make the next thing due on Monday because that'll be the Monday after Thanksgiving. So let's pick a reasonable date for closing arguments to be submitted in writing. What say you? One week would be the Monday after Thanksgiving. We want more time than that. Uh, do you want the Friday after Thanksgiving? What what works? Whatever works for you is and fine with Let's me. ask Ms. Kroll. Yeah, I'd prefer to have the following Monday. Okay. So uh, it would have been the 27th, and the following Monday is December 4. This works well for me. Uh, if we have closing arguments in writing on December 4, then I don't need to ask for any extension on the decision issuance deadline. The record would close on the 4th. The decision would be due 10 business days from the 4th, which is the 18th of December. 
So that's what I believe our schedule is going to be. The, I do want to just call out to the city in Mr. Bredberg's report that you asked to have stricken. He goes into some detail about normal circumstances. And I don't believe the city has responded legally to this question about the his identification of normal circumstances as the, the benchmark. And so I'm asking specifically for the city to respond to that. Okay. So um, first of all, we do apply. I um, meant in the closing argument. Oh, okay. Yes. I wait, wasn't wait, trying wait. to get you off the cuff here today. I'm Thank sorry. Thank you. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, is everybody satisfied with simultaneous briefing or would you prefer to have city uh, make their closing and then appellants have the final brief? I, I think. Yes, please. At the same time. Simultaneous briefing. Yeah. No, I would prefer to see theirs and then respond. Sorry, I just opened that door. And that would be fine as long as we're entitled to a rebuttal. Yeah. Uh, With the appellant's burden of proof, they would have the last. Well, then they would go first. Yes, they would. And we would would go second. Yes, they would. And they could have a That's how it would normally go. Uh, She's right. So in in that kind of circumstance, you would make a closing argument first. They would respond to your closing argument. And then you would have the last written argument opportunity. Is that your preference? Yes, please. Okay, let's do that. Sorry to uh, keep messing up the schedule that's okay so we previously had said december 4 for the cities um no for everybody for closing arguments do you want your closing argument to be due december if just saying if we if we go december 4 december 11 and december 18 we are gonna i am gonna ask for five days because the holidays uh so that would be putting the decision after the first of the year I think we could do our closing argument the day after Thanksgiving. Did you suggest that? Yeah, we can. Would you like that? Sure. Okay. I'd, so I'd like a, I'd like a Christmas present. <laughs> a Christmas decision. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's have um, this appellant's closing argument due 1127. Thanks, everybody, for working through it with me. City's uh, closing argument and response to appellant's closing is 12-4. It's going to put us right at Christmas. Um, If we have your decision to, literally, if I get your closing argument on the 11th, the 10 days is 25th. So, I, uh, I'm going to hate myself later for this. But I'm going to say that with that schedule, I still have time to get the decision out by December 22nd. Okay. Okay. 22nd for the due date. Appellant's final written argument, 12-11 decision deadline, 12-22. Thanks a lot, Sharon. Excuse me. Do we get this in an email? Yes, I'm okay. going to actually. I'll write. I'll write an order, uh, or I, maybe I'll just do an email, and I will forward it to Mr. Cole. He will make sure everybody gets it. It'll probably be tomorrow because we're after work scheduled today. So just to go over it, the things I'm looking for are: um, please follow up, Mr. Ainsworth, to make sure he emails a legible copy of the MTC report that's in Exhibit Ten. It's a one-page document that should be forwarded to Mr. Cole who will forward it to me and, and everyone. Then we're going to get city's rebuttal to the Ainsworth, to exhibit 10 uh, on November 13. Appellants 
final ex um, evidentiary response, if any, rebuttal to that, if any, reply to that, if any, on 1120. And then appellant's closing arguments are due 1127. City's closing arguments due the 4th and appellant's final written argument, the 11th decision due 22. I think that's a pretty generous, it gives everybody a lot of opportunity and that gives me plenty of time to get the decision out. Again, I will hate myself later, but I think that's plenty of time. And so it will be out before Christmas. Just for the record, I want to note, somebody's going to be happy about that and somebody's not. This baby can't really be split. So I apologize in advance to whoever is not happy for Christmas. I think that's it. So thanks. Thank you very much. We appreciate that um, you ferreted us through in one day. It's, it's very appreciated. And I also want to say thank you for the in-person. I really, really appreciate that. You're Helps. welcome. You're welcome. I, I want to thank everybody for uh, all the work. Because I know there's a lot of strong feelings. Uh, and um, I, I knew there was upset coming in. There was upset at the pre-hearing conferences. And I appreciate very much everybody keeping the upset out of today's hearing. It makes, it makes it easier for me to find facts when we aren't dealing with that. So appreciate that. All right, we're done. We're adjourned. Thank you very much.